And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. You see, it all starts with a baby, we'll say, at the age of six months. And the mother says, boo, and scares the hell out of the baby, gives it the hiccups. And then the baby giggles. There's its first moment of fear. Later on, it's on a swing, getting higher and higher, and catching its breath when it goes too high. And so it goes. We all enjoy, shall we say, putting our toe in the cold water of fear. Podcast. I'm Tom Cornell. And I'm Langley West. Episode 158. And uh, we have a guest. Yes, we do. Who is uh, a vocalist, I'm going to say, musician for the Seattle Symphony Choral. She's a, a, a film fan. And um, I'm going to butcher her last name because I've read it a thousand times <laughs> and I've never <laughs> said it. Heather Sturbiak. Yay! Very Yay. good. Look at me. Master <laughs> of accents. Hi, Heather. Hey, guys. How are you? So I wanted to say, and, and, I, and we've mentioned this before, but this is a, Heather's kind of a special guest because she's a fan of the show. There's a, like, I'm going to go with listener of the show. Okay. I'm uncomfortable <laughs> with that. I'm going to oversell it too soon. Eh? <laughs> Because, uh, as we've talked about before, we think that uh, the listeners of the show that we've talked to are smart motherfuckers and and know a lot. And uh, 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 why not have somebody come on the show who knows their shit? Right. As opposed to you and I. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it it proves what I've always said is that my, I'm going to make it personal, my friends are way more smarter than about this shit than most <laughs> quote-unquote media journalists. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, the fact that we, we, we laud some of those people and not other people who, who have every bit the right to be at the table as, as the, as again, the journal. Right, right. Um, let's bring those people on. Yeah, Brian Nelson yeah. is a fine example of yeah. that. And, yeah. um, uh, uh, who, who's a guy who doesn't should be writing for somebody, but yeah. he's not. He doesn't. He has no interest in it. So I think that's great. Anyway, this might be the launch. When the subject came up, well, yeah. <laughs> when the subject came up, um, we asked Heather what she wanted to do, and she mentioned Hitchcock. And yeah. I, we, we both realized that we'd never we we just glance by a lot of Hitchcocks because it's so. Before we started recording, you used the word ubiquitous. His his name is always brought up. And right. it's real easy for people to go, oh, yeah, I um, I know the film of Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I printed out his IMDb, and there's, like, vast chunks where, oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah, he did that, but, you know, it's in the 30s or what have you. Right. So we're going to talk about Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Fantastic. Why, why, did you, why was that the name that leapt to your lips? For me, gosh... You know, I I grew up in a family that loved movies. 
And my mom and dad in particular, although I, I don't know if you would ask them, they would call it this, but they loved noir movies. They loved weird shit. And I remember as a, as a kid, my mom would be like, hey, come here. Gaslight's on. Come watch this. Here we go. Or, or sorry, wrong number. Or, you know, even just bizarre stuff. And uh, she just loved these movies. And the first Hitchcock movie I remember seeing was a movie called I Confess. Yeah. Which is not a is not one that leaps to mind necessarily yeah, when you think the, uh, Montgomery Cliff is a priest. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Absolutely. That's a great movie. Yeah. Gorgeous, gorgeous movie shot in Quebec, actually. But um, I just fell in love with that movie. And then I just kind of, once you start into Hitchcock, even if you're only 10 years old, you just, you, there's so many rabbit holes to run down. And um, even as my movie tastes have grown and changed and diversified, Hitchcock's home. You know, that's, you know, if I'm going to put something on, it's either Night of the Living Dead or it's Hitchcock. And, you know, and it just anytime it's on TV, no matter how badly edited for TV it was, I was watching it. And that's, you know, now that I'm approaching my 50s, still the same same story. Hitchcock is home. Yeah, I remember them playing um, Psycho on TV. Uh, right. it, it was late. It was always like this thing where, hey, kid, it was a big deal. Yeah, you shouldn't watch this. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 and I think I think. I, I don't know if this is true of other people or, or not, but, you know, when I was a little kid, I came to Hitchcock as a horror filmmaker. Yeah. Because I didn't I didn't know. I didn't know about... I'm going to qualify that a little bit. But when when I started watching the movies, the first thing I saw was... Um, the first thing I saw was The Birds. Yeah. <laughs> that was another one. And it just and it just fascinated me. And I'm just like, it, this is scary. I, I don't I, know why. I don't know why. Yeah. And it doesn't, end, you know, like the ending is just like, what? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as a little kid, I was waiting for, you know, you know, a giant bird to come in, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, and then and then the next thing I saw was Psycho. So <laughs> so to me, as a kid, he was a horror filmmaker. And my mom would tell me, you know, he was, you know, the master of suspense. And I didn't know what that meant. I don't what does that mean? Yeah, I don't know. And, and it took a long time for me to figure out what that... <laughs> and how do you become a master of it? Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Is there like a class or... Now, in, in almost, almost, uh, uh, almost as a different... Like, I saw this almost as a different person. Where I saw Hitchcock the most was hosting... When he was show. as a person, yes. he was fairly unknown until like '55 when the when the show came on. Yeah, and then everyone would thought, "Well, who's this lovable eccentric old man?" Yeah, right. With the with the hatchet in his hand. With the hatchet, you know, yeah. yeah. Making puns. Yeah, um, yeah. For you know, for the longest time, when I you know heard the name Hitchcock, to me it meant the song and the silhouette. You know, bum, right? Bum, yeah. Da, da, bum, uh, funeral for the Marionette. Yeah. Is it called? I yeah. Think so, yeah. Something like that. Guno, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, it, it wasn't until later that I started paying attention to. I just remember like the birds being on TV and going like, "Oh, this is going to be so, so scary." And then like, it never really, it never really <laughs> pays off. It's, it's, 
Because at the time, this would have been like several years after it was out, and like by then, even I'd seen I was a as even as a kid, I had seen Night of the Living Dead and a couple of other right. things, and I was like, You're like "These are Boyd's. This yeah. isn't like these yeah, yeah. are not pulling entrails out of people." <laughs> <laughs> Alas. <laughs> but you know, it's like, I remember, it's so funny because um, when my son was younger, Psycho was on TV and we're like, mm-hmm. oh my God, you got to watch this. And so we, we sit down one, late one night, everyone had gone to bed and we were watching it. And just as we get through all the beginning Marion Crane stuff and we get to the hotel, yeah. I'm like, oh, here we go to my son. And from the floor, I hear, right. <laughs> like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh um but yeah I think there's there's a weird everyone has their entry point and mm-hmm. then depending on I think that person how far back do they go like go how far back do they go and 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 you know of course they go forward because sure but, but uh right. there's big all of these these big chunks of things like who I didn't know that the, he had he did the man who knew too much twice right, right. Like, I didn't know that kind so, of, yeah he, he pulled a Cecil B. DeMille yeah he's kind of like DeMille in a way in in that he had this career that like stretched from 22 early early films to I got 22 to 60 uh, 67 80 when did when did Family Plot come out uh, uh Let's see. Uh, yeah, seventy six was Family Plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing the the the, um, the the commercials on television for Family Plot, and everybody was kind of freaking out. It's like it's a new Hitchcock film. Yay! Right, exactly. Because yeah. it had been a while, right? Um, it had been years. a lot. You know, at right. that point in his life, he was just not moving very fast, and just couldn't get stuff to happen. And so there was a huge gap there towards the end. Uh, 76 was Family Plot, 72 was Frenzy, 69 was Topaz, and then you get 66 of Torn Curtain. Yeah. And then Marty in 64 yeah. and the Bird. Yeah, 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 yeah. Since, since he, he has this huge, you know, uh, uh, decade-spanning career, um, I'd be interested in hearing what you guys think, if there is such a thing. Was there a golden age of Hitchcock? Was oh, there yeah. Was mm-hmm. there, you know, like all cylinders were firing, and this is this is the Hitchcock, uh, Heather? What do you think? Yeah, you know, for me, that really hits with Strangers on a Train. Mm. You know, the, the golden age for me is kind of that period from Strangers on a Train, really through Marnie. And, you know, that time frame, he was in the States. He was producing his own stuff at that point. He figured out, yeah, the studio system thing sucks. I'm doing it myself. And so these are the the pictures he's producing for himself and he's got control over. And it's him. And he's got his team of people that he always works with. And it's just this is the gorgeous period for him in my mind. Not to say there aren't amazing movies before that. But yeah. that's when it was like one after another after another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would agree with that as far as um, arrows on target. Like every film he yeah. made, were like was like solid, 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 solid. Right. Not, not to discount the earlier stuff. I mean, right. you know, life lifeboat alone. 
Right. Oh my god. Life yeah. My favorite lifeboat story is Tallulah Bankhead <laughs> didn't wear underwear. <laughs> and she kept Oh yeah. Refused <laughs> to wear underpants. Yeah, and so when she kept getting in and out of the boat, like the crew's like, Whoa <laughs> <laughs> In fact I think there's a story where the the folks from Good Housekeeping showed up on set that day uh, and were just horrified yeah. because oh look it's two little bankheads cooch that's fantastic hilarious <laughs> but then again it's Tallulah <laughs> hilarious absolutely hilarious but um he he became every bit the personality, I think, as his films, especially after the TV yeah. shows, but, you know, and now you hear stories of, of, of him being a, uh, a beast on, on Oh, yeah. I just read this one thing, that whenever they would bring him tea, he would drink the tea, mm-hmm. and when he was done, he, the cup and saucer, he would just throw them over his shoulder. Yep. And it was Absolutely. one of those things that you, you, when you heard something smash, you would know, oh, yeah. Pitch just had his tea. <laughs> How much is that? How much of, of that kind of behavior from that type of director do you think is is a genuine idio, well, or or is it a calculated thing that you do? To- so what I would say, Langley, is that it was all calculated, you know. And even with the the teacup stuff that apparently really did happen, he never lost his temper on set. You know, people would say that his sets were calm and they were quiet and he never yelled at people um, because he believed that that was giving away his power. If you lose your temper, you've lost control. And so we're not going to do that. What would would a raging, pissed off Alfred Hitchcock sound like? Because all I can think of is that, that, you know, slow, methodical voice that... (laughs) I'm done with you professionally. Hey, man, I, <laughs> like I, the Christian Bale rant. I love I that hear scene. That. <laughs> I want to hear that. I love that scene in the Hitchcock movie, that essentially the making of Psycho with uh, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Hitchcock. I love that scene where he kind of loses it out by the pool and he's like smashing, you know, he's like hitting things with this. He's so frustrated, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's cool yeah. because I'm sure that, you know, at some point, you you do you lose your cool, but you don't lose it in front of other people. No, no, especially not a proper British gentleman. Right, right. So, is, was Thirty Nine Steps the first real like Hitchcock film? When we think of it, I mean, there's no, no. Actually, actually, I would go back further than that. And I would go all the way back to, gosh, what was, I think it was like 1926, The Lodger. The Lodger, you know, and he's still in a silent period at this point. But this is a movie that basically is the story of Jack the Ripper. And it was based on a stage play. And it's the story of this woman that runs a boarding house and a guy comes to stay there. And they're pretty sure it's a serial killer. (laughs) And so, you know, this this movie starred a guy named Ivor Novello. And if you ever saw Gosford Park, uh, the Altman movie, that is one of the characters in the movie. He was actually a real guy. Hmm. And he was sort of a Rudolph Valentino, silent era, you know, heartthrob. And 
this movie Hitch this was really if you you know if you look at the the interviews and you look at the stories Hitch felt like this was his first Hitchcock movie and he did some really cool stuff in this movie um you know at this point there you know any effects you're doing they're in the camera and so he had this great scene where he put in glass ceilings so that he could shoot from below nice. and show the lodger pacing back and forth in his room. Right. Which is, um, he, which is just brilliant. He also did a thing right at the beginning of the movie, the first victim, um, you know, to establish that this killer likes killing blondes, which is interesting. <laughs> um, he, he had the actress lay on a glass, structure spread out her her blonde hair and shone a light up from below and that's the full frame is the woman's face and her hair and that's one of the establishing shots in the movie that's cool that that shot this is like i I, this is me making weird connections in my head whenever i see things when (laughs) when i saw that the first thing i thought of was that shot from David Lynch's Eraserhead? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and, and and it's because it's it's very similar. It's, See, that's it's, where we differ. I think yeah. I thought Danny Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as she said that, I was like, "Oh, we're not. We're gonna go and do a ten, get to do a Danny Thomas joke." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I'm gonna be struggling to find a King Kong reference today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, actually, I had one planned. Um, <laughs> As we got up into uh, 1933, I was going to point out that this was the year that uh, King Kong was released at Arcade Studios. Um, and while I couldn't find an actual connection, I'm pretty sure Hitch and Alma went and saw this movie. So that was my King Kong reference for you. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is hilarious. Um, where am we go? Where are we going next? I'm, it's just so funny because there's like there's big chunks in early on where it's like nope, not seen it, not seen it, not seen it. Well, you know what I can tell you is you're probably not missing much. I mean you <laughs> you kind of roll through these and and these are all um, let's see the these are all silent movies up until uh, the the movie was called Blackmail came out in 1929. That was the first movie Hitchcock made that had sound to it. Um, Up until that point, there's some cute little movies with some cute little stories. Um, You know, I'll point out one called The Ring that uh, is about prize fighters. That's just a really quaint little little movie. Um, But yeah, you you get into blackmail and Something I'll point out here, uh, the assistant camera guy on blackmail was Michael Powell. Oh, wow. Who then went on to do Peeping Tom, mm-hmm. which, you know, plays into the Hitchcock story, you know, once we get into the psycho era. Right. But, uh, yeah, he and Powell stayed friends after this movie. So I, I, I don't know this, and I'm hoping maybe one of you two uh, do. What did uh, do we know what Hitchcock liked? Yes. You know, like did you know? Yes. Was, was he a guy that liked musicals? Did he like the type of movies that he made? Did he, you know what I mean? Like, what were his influences? Because um, we are talking about the the early days of cinema. Supposedly, right. his declared favorite movie was De- Fritz Lang's Destiny. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. So there's that. Um, it's funny, I you know, when I think of Hitchcock, this is not a Hitchcock film, but I always think of Fritz Lang's M. Right, I yeah. I, I think it's it's Hitchcockian, you know. Or, or For maybe, sure. Or maybe Hitch was Langian, I don't know. But, you know, uh, I see a lot of similarities there. Uh, I missed well, that. Not, not to mention that Peter Lorre shows up in a Hitchcock movie really quickly after doing M. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Suppo- uh, supposedly, after he died, someone reported that he had told them that he loved Smokey and the Bandit <laughs> and, ben- and Benji. I'm trying to find it. Yeah, I'm trying to It's in my notes. I know it's in my notes. Um, I just want to sit with Alfred Hitchcock and watch Smokey and the Bandit forever. <laughs> Damn it. That, that doesn't surprise me. I, I think a lot of times, you know, people who are, um, you know, considered the 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 main person in this particular genre, rarely seem to be, anyways, fans of that genre. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have to be at some level to to work there, but it's always surprising. It's Here always surprising to hear what what they're into. Well, it, George Romero. Romero and, and Tales of Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's a classic one. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, in a recent USC class on Hitchcock, guest speaker Patricia Hitchcock revealed that the, his two guilty pleasures were Smoking the Bandit and Benji. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. That's yeah. awesome. I do love that. Because um, I hate both those movies. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking the Bandit's got Jerry Reed. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> and your point is... <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I'm just trying to think, uh, do do we each have a favorite Hitchcock film? Is that too broad? No, I, I, I think that's a legitimate question. Yeah. Good, go ahead. And this is not based on the merits of the film or what I think what he did better or worse than others um, this is purely ex- experiential and, and mm-hmm. because it's the first thing I saw um, my favorite is still probably The Birds. I fully recognize there are other movies that he made that are better and I can look at them and see the technical merits of them but The Birds is the one that always uh, for lack of a better word uh, plucks at my heart strings. <laughs> what about you, Heather? <laughs> it's hard for me to pick one. Um, then pick a couple. I'll pick a couple. I love Rope. I, I agree. That's not, I was that. just going to say yeah, Rope. a good one. I fucking love that movie. Um, I love Shadow of a Doubt. I think, I think that probably is, if I had to pick a single one, Shadow of a Doubt is just an astonishing little movie. Um, love Psycho. I mean, how do you not love Psycho? Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, those three probably. Let's see. I'm gonna agree on Rope. Uh, I'm gonna throw two more in Rear Window. Yep. And sure. um, uh, man, Stage Fright. 
So yeah. Good. Stage Fright is really good. It's hard, you know, it's hard talking about I know. because there's so many. There's but as so I look at these, movies. I go like, as, soon, as you guys were talking, I'm all, oh, you know, um, uh, uh, The Lady Vanishes. Uh, wait, mm. You know, you're Vertigo. Trying, you're trying to, like, stack them up. Yeah, it's hard. It's so uh, hard. Jennifer's favorite is uh, Lifeboat. Yeah. It's great. Lifeboat is great. And I, and it's great on a, on, on a number... I mean, like, it's one of those movies where the premise is great. Because a lot of times people... A lot of times people have a great idea mm-hmm. or a great premise... And then we are ultimately disappointed in what they, you know, what they could have done with that. And that is a movie that uh, 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 fulfills its promises. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's one of those things like you brought up Night of the Living Dead, where you you take this disparate group of people and you lock them into a small confined space, right. and all you then you stand back, yeah, and you watch yeah. all the characters bounce off it's, one another. It's 12, 12 Angry Men. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is fascinating. So simple. And it's, I would imagine that when Lifeboat came out, it, it's just so there on the table. Like, you would think, where where are places that are inherently drama-filled? And you think, you think of a thousand, yeah. but a oh, Lifeboat. A Lifeboat, yeah. And to put, to cast that movie the way he did, and, and the plot itself. You know, and, 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 and it's a challenge, right? It's like, okay, this is all going to take place in... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you remain visually interesting yeah, exactly. when you're in a boat? It's kind of like uh, whatever that movie was with the tiger on the boat. <laughs> you, yeah, you go, like, how, how, does this, yeah. how does this not end in just a tiger <laughs> picking its teeth on a boat? <laughs> you know, something interesting about Lifeboat, it was based on a story by John Steinbeck. Oh, cool. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I don't know that, but I could see that. Very That's cool. very yeah. cool. By the way, have either of you read the short story that The Birds is based on? No. It, yes. Yeah, it's well, great. I bet it is. It's tiny. It's a, it's sure. A, it's more a, of a pamphlet. Yeah. It's, yeah, well, it's not even a pamphlet. It's not a pamphlet. <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, there's, a, there's a paperback. You can, I, if you'd have to go mm-hmm. and look for it called Echo Fiction. Okay. And it's, yeah, it's one of the one of the stories in there. It's it's pretty. It's so it's one of those stories where you look at it and you go, "That's really cool." How in the hell did Hitchcock one find out about it and two decide this is going to be my next movie? <laughs> uh, I hear, yeah, exactly. Well, I've always been fascinated by that. When you hear, is it just the deal coming together, or do you do you have this list of like these are my dream gigs and. Mm-hmm. You know, well, at that point in his career, he can point at whatever, and people are going to say yes. Right. You know. um, supposedly, he fe- feared the police. That yeah. Lifelong fear of the police. His I read somewhere his dad dropped him off at a cop police station with a letter that goes, "Please explain to my son what a naughty boy he is." Uh, <laughs> You're a naughty boy. Well, that would do it. I mean. Yeah. He, it, it, well, I guess he's best known for that stuff, and then the weird. You had kind of glanced by at the weird relationship with blondes in, in right. this film, and now you now that it's years later, you're hearing things like Tippi Hedren has come out and said some pretty scathing stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we always knew. Mm. Um, it was always of a type. He always cast. Yeah. He always cast a type. Yeah, a, a type of uh, generally short blonde, blonde. or short-haired blonde mm-hmm. girl. Um, and uh, 
Well, that's what Hitch would say. You know, it's those icy blondes that have that warm interior. Yeah, and and yet at the same time, he seemed so. So obviously, he he's fascinated or a little obsessed with this, mm -hmm. and at the same time, he abuses. The, the fuck out of them, you know? Oh, oh yeah. Sure, yeah. Uh, 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 the birds, oh, my God. You know, you, you read about, like... You throwing birds at yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, they tied birds to her. They had birds on strings tied to her that couldn't Why get away. birds that are trying to... <laughs> and just beating the shit out of you with... Yeah. So funny. I just I've been imagining Bill Murray and stapling the answer. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, one of the stories I heard, and I have no idea if it's true, but that's never stopped us. Um, <laughs> something about Hitch fucking with a cameraman and telling him that the, yes. that the set they were in were was haunted. Correct mm -hmm. me if I if I screw this up. But so they made a nominal bet that he couldn't stay the night in this on this set. So much so that they chained him to a camera. <laughs> and before Hitch left, he brought him something to eat and some wine that he had laced with a laxative. Oh, my God. <laughs> so when they came in the morning, the guy was chained to a camera, and he completely shit himself. I yeah. Mean, I, the, story, the story I heard was Hitch walked by and threw him the bet money. He goes, eh, yeah. you won. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hitch, Hitch did a lot of stuff like that and was not super kind to people. Um, it, well, and it depends on, on who you're talking to. If you if you take Spoto's word for it, Hitch was an absolute asshole and picked on people and abused people. Uh -huh. uh, not everybody says that, though. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just love I just love the the planning that went into that kind of a thing. Um, but he and he would also tweak his sponsors on the TV show. It would be a lot yeah. of like, you know, you know what these what, what's coming next kind of a thing and mm -hmm. kind of talk disparagingly about the people that were essentially funding his his gig. Gotta love that. Um, uh, did we finish that? Rope. Well, hey, toward that, I, I was pulling up something because it was something that, that was brought up to me. Um, I, I, and the TV show, Alfred Hitchcock actually directed 17 of the episodes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the ones that he directed was Bang, You're Dead in 1961 with Billy, Bill, uh, Mummy. Mummy, yeah. Yeah, Mummy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> he was seven years old at the time. And, uh... <laughs> He he was having trouble hitting his mark and staying staying in the lighting, right, right. Mm -hmm. And Hitchcock <laughs> told the seven year old kid who is going to believe, you know, whatever sure, he's, he's a kid. told, yeah, that if he didn't stay put, they were going to nail his foot to the floor, <laughs> <laughs> and blood will come pouring out like milk. Unquote. <laughs> Mumi <laughs> <laughs> was on Gilbert's podcast. There's an episode floating around, and he told that story, and he talked about working with Hitchcock and what like kind of a dick he was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't like him. <laughs> He's like, I didn't like him. No that, shit. That could, that could. I mean, that could easily. Well, kudos to Mumi because that could easily make me go as a seven year old. Oh fuck this! Yeah. I don't, right. I don't, I don't need this in my well, life. Well, you know, but but again. It's it's hard. I mean, it's, I think it's important to remember that at the time, the director was God, right? It was yeah. right. from from that studio system and from all of that time period. That's where you get that's where you get like Fellini's Eight and a Half and the and the the look at like what does it mean to be 
an artist and how far do you get to go. Right, yeah. But in the 40s, you know, you it was... You got to it, go wherever the... You got to go wherever right. the fuck you, you wanted. wanted. Yeah, 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 yeah. As long as the studio lets you. Yeah, as long as the studio... Yeah. As long as you were, your dailies were okay... They were good. Yeah, yeah they were fine. they were fine. Yeah, um, and that's what dailies became was the idea of like let's review the film we shot yesterday and see how if we're yeah. going off. So if you need to slap an, an, an actor to get him to cry, yeah, that's what you do. Oh yeah. Or more importantly, the spin off that was when um, when William Friedkin at, when at, when Father Karras goes down the stairs, right, and the priest is there giving Father Karras the last rites. He couldn't get the look right. Yeah. And he's a real priest, this guy. Right. He's an actor, yeah. but he's also a real priest. And Friedkin slapped him, and that's like a mortal sin. Oh, wow. And the shock on his face is, they he said, action, cuffed him. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just captured this look of like, oh what? my God, yeah. this kind of look on his face. And it was within bounds, you yeah. know? Can't Not do that now. Because Friedkin is such a sweet, nice guy. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Can you imagine somebody doing something like that now? I mean, it, 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 like, you know, how many people... You better have Christopher Plummer on speed dial. Right. <laughs> 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 well, I was just thinking of, you know, like, you know, Christian Bale going off on some guy because he's standing in his eye line. Yeah. Everybody hears everything now, you know? You hear yeah, when Mel Gibson calls his girlfriend a slut, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and, like, it's... I. I I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I guess it's kind of both. Uh, well, I think it's it's more of a good thing because I think no one deserves to be abused at work. But on the other hand, it's art. So you know how much how much do you open a vein to? Yeah. You know how much do you, so? What are you willing? What are you willing to? Right. But there's some. We were just talking to Jason last week about he in his next film he's going to get punched in the face and yeah. that would never fly. On, yeah. You know, have, although they, that photograph of Harrison Ford punching Ryan Gosling is pretty sweet. Yeah, that is <laughs> Anyway, uh, there we are in the weeds. Um, God, I yeah. love the weeds. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it's just the thing that gets me about Hitchcock is, is the ability to really better than most than most filmmakers is the, the ability to slowly and almost sadistically Start to ratchet up um, the, uh, the the tension, tension yeah. the suspense, yeah. and you know what's coming, and you know you know uh, uh, it's going to be bad. But um, uh, I mean, to take a simple knifing and make it this iconic shower scene in Psycho is right. okay. is, is well, testament was, to all that. Man, it, Heather, oh. have you seen the documentary? Uh, uh, Seventy eight fifty two. Yeah, yeah. I have not seen it yet because I'm too cheap to pay. <laughs> well, Neither have I, and that and so I'm fascinated. By I had idea. two movies from last year, only two movies from last year that I absolutely had to see. One was Shape of Water, uh -huh. and I got yeah. to see it, but I missed the freaking documentary, and I I'm dying for it to become available somewhere. Yeah, me too. Because, me too. Because it's, it's available on Amazon right now. I just haven't shelled out the money to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I I I I may do that. 
I, I'm, I should sleep before I go to work, but I may do that after this show because I'm all hyped up. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you know, back, back on the, the ratcheting up the suspense thing, he was just the master of almost making you complicit as a viewer in yes. you, you know, because he would tell you, you know, I think the story he tells is, you know, that what suspense is, is there's a bomb under the seat. Right, right. You know there's a bomb under the seat, but nobody on the screen does. And that that kind of, you're now complicit in what's about to happen because you know and the characters don't. And I think that's why, I think that's why we squirm. And we, right. go, and we yell at the screen, you know, and, and it's because we don't want to be complicit. It's not that, I don't think it's because we care about that character as much as it's like, look, if this goes off, it's partly my fault. <laughs> right, I didn't stop it. Yeah, I think inherently, even if it's in the short term, we there there is the need to care. I mean, you you care because on a human level, lives will be lost. Sure, within the context, you know, construct of the film. Right. Um, but I think by 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 with the establishment of like, here's the thing in motion, here's the thing not in motion, and to cut back and forth as they get closer and closer, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. is it shows such a an assured hand. Yeah. That mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely amazing. And I, and I think, a, you know, smart filmmakers look at Hitchcock and they take away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you like Jurassic Park mm, 2, I, I, I can't remember which of <laughs> Whether you like it or not, um, the scene where the um, the uh, the bus or whatever you want to call it, the oh, trailer the is hanging, and yeah, and she's mm-hmm. on, yeah, yeah. on the glass, and the glass starts, starts cracking, crack, and and yeah. she, brilliant, it's brilliant, and it's straight out of like like I I look at that and I don't think Spielberg's a great filmmaker, I think. Hitchcock's a great filmmaker because that's yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, where that yeah, comes yeah. from. Well, yeah, look, yeah. look at the uh, paper delivery scene in High Anxiety. Oh my God! Oh yeah, movie. right. <laughs> he, he nails it so perfectly. Like he just duplicates all the shots. Look at the Gus. As bad as it is, the Gus Van Zandt thing, and it shows. It, I know it shows. If you watch those two shower scenes side by side, yeah. you know, one clearly is a is someone who understands all the subtleties, and one is just someone. Apen. Yeah, it's yeah, Apen exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be, uh, and I think they've torn it out now. But back in the '90s, at least, there was a, a ride at Universal Studios in Florida mm-hmm. where it was a Hitchcock thing, and, and you'd walk through and you'd get the story about all the different Hitchcock movies. And then at the end of the little tour, there was a stage, and they recreated the shower scene live. Oh, that's cool. Dude, that's awesome. And what was really cool is my brother got pulled out of line to go, quote, unquote, be Norman. And so I'm watching my brother up there in a dress, basically, helping them to recreate the shower scene and doing the cuts. And it was it was a really cool little exhibit. I, I It's gone now, but... Supposedly, Hitch was the... Uh, he's the voice of the, in the, of the Jaws ride. Really? Where he was. Uh. Let me try. I'm trying to find that. Huh. The Jaws ride is so is so weird now. Yeah. Like it, it. Like I'm glad it's still there, but it's like it's so. I don't know. But the first time I saw it. Oh, it's 
It's, it's it scared the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love um Yeah, the is the voice of the Jaws right at Universal? <coughs> that is so weird. I would think they'd update it. I love another speaking of psycho, I love the story that um Walt Disney refused to refused to allow him to film in Disneyland because he quote made that disgusting psycho movie. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Walt is making movies where people are fucking turned to stone and right. eating poison apples. <laughs> All I got to say about that is Song of the South. Right. right. Exactly. And then, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, By the way, do we know it's going off into the weeds? You've brought that up, and, and I've, I've not read or, or no. Is Song of the South available no. anywhere anymore? No. It's like it's been it's been completely just like. Well, know, Disney's oh. really good about that stuff about saying here's some shit and then they take it all yeah. back. Yeah. And um, um, Song of the South is buried in their vault. Yeah. We may come to a point in our culture where, where it would get released, but I don't yeah, I don't think we're well. I think <laughs> anywhere near that. Well, I think right it's now. important, you know. So you know, as a document. As, as much absolutely. of a document is not in the same way, but it's like, let's say, Triumph of the Will. or, or Right, exactly. You know. right. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, yeah. I, I think it's important to see these things. The danger is that, you know, some asshat goes, oh, you know, and, and buys into <laughs> the message. Yeah. They were right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Ugh. Ugh. Um, Ugh. <laughs> uh, I want to briefly glance against, I remember... Alfred Hitchcock presents the the little pulpy novels that yeah they yeah put yeah. out all the time and uh, and I, I wonder how much like you know was that just him signing off on sure you can use my image yep. and my name yeah pretty much that's exactly what it was yeah now I wonder if how if that was a novel like look at Hitch making money off of some silly stuff or, yeah uh, says here. Um, Lent his name and a character, Alfred Hitchcock and the Three Investigators in sixties early late sixties, early seventies. Premise was the main character was a crime solver named Jupiter Jones, who won <laughs> the use of um, Hitchcock's limousine in the contest. He wrote the huh. forwards to the book uh, to the books and after his death, uh, his famous silhouette was taken off the spine and the forewords stopped appearing. Huh. So he was he had some hand in it. But I just remember those were a great place for like early, you know, genre. Sure. Kind of yeah. fiction. Yeah, yeah, good yeah. stuff. And then he also did a mystery magazine where it was also yep. where they would put out. It was fiction. It was a fiction market, which was great. Right. Like remember the Ellery Queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Magazines. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else? Do I it's want to well, say? you know, I mean, and that says something. Whenever you're, uh, so iconic mm-hmm. that you know somebody can just slap your name on something and it and, and make money off of it yeah yeah. yeah yeah it means something yeah well, you become your own brand right right yeah yeah and that's and he was a savvy investor i mean he had a cattle ranch he had a, a vineyard i mean he he knew what he was doing with his money i just i just won him in chaps and a big right <laughs> Coming off the porch, like John Wayne in the Searchers, <laughs> and it's that same silhouette. <laughs> do we, I want this. Do we know who um, 
you know, because he started so early in, in film history, do we know, like, was, was he a fan of someone before? Like, so many of those guys got into directing because they were, um, they were theater people. Was he yeah. one of those guys? No, or? no, he actually, he was working as a, a draftsman, as an engineer, and was an artist, and started doing uh, title cards. Uh, wanted to get into the movies, and at that point in the movies, they were, you know, they would get a room and show a movie. It wasn't like there were actually theaters, and right. he went down to Famous Lasky Players, which was the, the studio that was in the town nearby, and just had a portfolio of title cards that he had drawn, and that's how he got into the movies. Wow. And he was just one of those guys who really wanted to be there and just learned how to do everything and learned how to do everything well. And at one point, um, Studio Head went, hey, you know, wh why don't you direct this next movie? Um, one thing that was very cool, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about her, his wife Alma, Alma yeah, Rebel. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she had a career in movies before Hitched It. She started out as a cutter and was doing continuity work, and that's how they met. And there are, are film scholars that claim if, if Hitchcock had never come along, that she would have had an amazing career all by herself. Mm. And, you know, she worked with D.W. Griffith. She, she did some amazing stuff just by herself. And, in fact, she never fully changed her name because she had all these film credits mm -hmm. uh, for days of British cinema. Right, right. When you think about that, like, here's someone with a promising career that kind of sets it aside to support, you know. Well, I, I think, I think uh, you know, unfortunately part of that is, is the time, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. at that time, there were a lot of women working in film. Uh, uh, obviously, there were actresses, but there was a lot of women working in film, but they were often, you know, um, uh, editors, and mm -hmm. it was was a big was a big thing for women working mm -hmm. in film, and nobody ever they didn't get any any kind of glory they didn't get nope. any kind of spotlight or any any attention whatsoever, and they were kind of seen as almost factory workers, right? Not as people with a skill, and um, so I think it would I think it'd be easy if you're Alma to go, okay, I I see how things are working. I'm going to uh, I'm going to set my 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 stuff aside because I know that this person who's going to be doing this stuff is going to give me full reign yeah. on making decisions and yeah. and you know sure sure well and not only did she have full reign he depended on her like crazy like if she didn't like a movie or she didn't like a script or she thought something was wrong. He, he did what she told him to do. Yeah. In fact, there's a story where she apparently was watching one of the final cuts of Psycho and noticed just briefly in a frame that Janet Lee had swallowed. Right. And, and had them cut that couple of frames out. And, you know, just because of her experience as a cutter and as an editor, wow. she noticed things that nobody else saw. Right. Wow. During that long tracking shot, right, where we're pulling... Right, exactly, that yeah. tracking in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I read that he couldn't when she was pregnant. He he wouldn't couldn't even look at her. No, 
In fact, left the house while she was giving birth. That's weird. That is so bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, I, I, at some point during the conversation, I wanted to talk about the look of mm. Hitchcock's films, particularly the the color films. You know, we're talking, uh, uh, you know, North by Northwest, um, Rear Window, um, these films where um, Hitch was a big fan of shooting on set as opposed to location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it lent a weird, for me anyways, surrealism to his to his films. Like, it. the other night we were sitting in a restaurant and they had the TV on. And there was something playing, and we didn't know what it was, but we knew immediately that it was a Hitchcock film. Mm-hmm. Like, it has a look. That's stage-bound. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's... it's Most egregiously in Rope. Yes. In Rope, it's like it depends. Oh, by design. It well, depends yeah, it, on it. Well, it has to, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, I, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, you know, when I watch a Hitchcock movie... Uh, it's almost like I'm going into another place. Again, mm-hmm. I bring up David Lynch's name because it's very, to me, it's very similar. David yeah. Lynch uses these super, yeah, yeah, saturated yeah. colors, and it creates it, this this feeling of this isn't the real world. It's this it's this Hitchcock it's world. Film world, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, and I, I can't I can't think of another filmmaker whose films look like Hitchcock's films. Yeah, and he talked about that a lot. Is my my movies are not the real world, people? <laughs> there these leaps in logic. That that's because it's a story. It's only a movie. He would often say. Right. Um, but you know something else that he because he started as a director doing silent movies, he carried that with him in terms of how he would frame shots and how he would tell stories, and. You know, he would often say, you should be able to turn the sound off on my movie and be able to follow what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, back in the day, we had faces. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I think that it, it's... That's an interesting idea, looking at your film and saying, can, can I shut the sound off? Right. And um, while, while, while acknowledging that, you know, sound design is important and... No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think within... But ultimately, filmmaking is a visual should medium. Should be. Yeah. And, and right. If, and if you're... If, but I think lately, as of late, I think people become too reliant on what I call Captain Exposition. Like the right. guy that shows up and just starts filling the audience in because the filmmaker has it. That's why a movie like The Revenant or There Will Be Blood, mm-hmm. it works so well because you have like I what there will be blood you go like 20 minutes into the film before anybody says anything mm-hmm. you know and uh, I, I I like that I like that you are showing me something and you're keeping my attention mm-hmm. with what you're showing me um, right uh, I um, I want to talk about Marnie yeah because mm-hmm. I love Marnie yeah yeah, yeah. and you uh, Ernest Borgnine is, is is so great. Yeah, he is. Um, and I I love it. It goes back to the cadre of actors who are are were faces. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, ge- so I'm generally accepting that we all love that film. Well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Mar- Marnie's great. It's yeah. a weird movie, but it's, it's a good. <laughs> it is a weird movie, but it is. 
Yeah. yeah this uh, actually, he wanted Grace Kelly to come back uh, from Monaco and play this role, and she just wasn't able to do it, which is why Tippi Hedren ended up in this movie. Mm. Can you imagine this movie with Grace Kelly in that part? Yeah. Was he done with T at this point? Uh, this was this was the second of the two movies that she made with well, him. Well, because I, yeah. I I I get the feeling that he kind of you know had. Uh, He'd become infatuated with somebody, mm-hmm. and then, you know, like, I'm done playing with this toy. And, yeah, yeah, well, well she, she was done playing with him. Well, I yeah, yeah. And who she was like, get off me. <laughs> <laughs> you fat pig. But on the other hand, I mean, he always, he, I think he knew that he needed his wife. Well, and, and that's a that's a question that I have because yeah. I have not read about this, and uh, I'm sure you guys know more about it. And that is, what did Alma think about his predilection for these these blonde actresses? Like, do well, we I know? Think in the '40s and the '50s, it's hard to go. Yeah, my husband's a rapist. Yeah. <laughs> so, on the other hand, it was it was almost those things. Again, we're talking '40s, '50s, '60s. The idea of like. Husbands were, a, were as long as you don't make we're, me look bad. We're kind of given license to do <laughs> douchebaggery. Well, I would say though, a lot of these women, you know, like you go back to Ingrid Bergman, Carol Lombard, um, Alma was friends with them. Mm-hmm. You know, to the end. I mean, there there are stories about Grace Kelly and and Prince Rainier coming over and having dinner at the table in the Hitchcock's kitchen. So Alma was involved with all of these women. She was there on set a lot of times and, and was very friendly with them. So it's hard to say. I mean, I think it's she all... She had to have known. She had to have known. Sure. Yeah. She had to have known. But again, you know, when you look at... I, I, I keep coming... I always use eight and a half as an example of like right. the art, art artist being given, given breadth to create art. You right. Know, at what point does that become... To become taken advantage of, yeah. you know, um, and I think Hitch is, a, is an example of that. Oh, I mean, definitely. Without being a filmmaker, that guy gets nothing. Yeah, he doesn't even right. get Alma. Right, right, right. No, so, absolutely. So, um, yeah. Are there any others that we want to talk about? God, there's. It's. I'm looking at like five shows immediately through these things. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. I mean, we could do a whole show on each one of these movies individually. You know, yeah. one we didn't talk about, and I'm kind of surprised we never hit on it, was Vertigo. Yeah. Yeah. Vertigo's a big. That's a big movie, and it and it, it almost means psychedelic. A lot. Yeah. In a oh, it is psychedelic. Yeah. yeah. All it needed was some sitar music, and we would have. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or the man who knew too much. We didn't talk about oh, that. Yeah. Doris yeah. Day. This is what this I mean. Is like right on, hot on the heels, or right around the same time, she was doing all of those light rock Hudson comedies. And right. Now she's in the yes. heavy drama. Yeah. That actually, that was the movie that was playing in the in the. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. It was the man oh, yeah. too much? And we were like, "Who is that?" And we're like, "Is that Doris Day? No, that's not Doris Day. Yes, that's Doris wow. Day." And, and, and my favorite Doris Day story is that supposedly at one time she dated Sly Stone. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing! I love that's it. Awesome. I know. Yeah. Thank you that's for letting me as, be myself. Again. Yeah, that's as good as Martha Stewart hanging out with Snoop Dogg. Oh, it's dude. like. <laughs> that's pretty epic, by the way. Have you watched any of that? I've not, yes, I have. I, I have oh. not. 
I I was on board, and then one of the guests was Rick Ross, who's this big yeah star, exactly who who was all like hugging up on her and like talking about oh I'm gonna take you back and my bubble and it just was weird and creepy. Well, I I was listening to somebody talking about this, and they were like, you know, you know, before uh, any of this stuff happened, Martha Stewart was always one of the guests to these big rap awards things like mm-hmm. she she was always there what did they say on her roast that she has she has more jail you know, like street cred than snoop and Coolio. exactly <laughs> so yeah, i was talking about this the other day snoop dogg was actually up on trial for murder at one point yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. he's everybody's lovable stoner uncle but you know people forget that yeah. he was and uh and martha stewart has done more prison time than he has yeah, yeah. Yeah. and so i guess you know i get it i watch, it, watch this Martha Stewart is in her day would have been the kind of woman Hitch went out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I agree. I think that um, it's a, it was a it's a fine idea that I think that they 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 should have percolated a little more. It mm. gets a little silly out of that show. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, it's based on silliness. I think. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, that for weeds. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly, Louis Bunnell said that Hitchcock was the best director ever. Huh. Uh, okay. okay. Check. Yeah. <laughs> We're down to the Tom go- is going through his notes. <laughs> uh, he said that Shadow of a Doubt was his favorite film among those that he directed. Yeah. Huh. It is a brilliant, brilliant movie. I mean, Joe's Cotton in that thing Joe's is Cotton just... Is great in everything. Yeah. God, he just... I mean, he's so creepy and yet so charming. By the way, Raymond Burr... Yeah. In, in Rear Window... Yeah. yeah. Gets my vote for one of the... One of the creepiest, creepiest and best villains of all hey, time. that steel oh. hair uh, and that... Yeah. Uh, that, you know... There's he, very few things in cinema that... that Hit me the same way as when he looked. He's looking back. Oh yeah, yeah. Or when he's like, coming at Jimmy Stewart and Jimmy Stewart is flashing the the flash bulbs at him. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like, oh shit, you know. It's like it's like, oh, everything's cool, everything's fun, and then and then you know the floor drops out from under you. He's like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some people say, and I don't know if it's true or not. He looks an awful lot like David Olselznik did. <laughs> yeah. And some funny. people say that was intentional. Oh, yeah. Kind of like, oh, kind of like that. The... <laughs> well, listen to this. Uh, his bride, uh, this is from my notes. His bridling under the heavy hand of David Olselznik was exemplified by the final scene in Rebecca. Selznick wanted the director to show smoke coming out of the burning house's chimney forming the letter R. Hitchcock mm. thought it lacked subtlety and instead showed flames licking a pillow embroidered with the letter R. Just like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, fuck you, I'll do what I want. <laughs> you know, interesting, Rope was the first movie that Hitch made after he got out of that contract. Mm. And the victim that's killed just as the movie is starting is named David. <laughs> and people have said, well, I wonder if that it's, was a reference. It's so almost petulant. Yeah. You kind of laugh. Uh, probably I, the biggest. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, I, I've always thought of Alfred Hitchcock as the filmmaker that Orson Welles could have been. 
Yeah. You know, had he not, had he not started sucking his own dick, sure. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, uh, and there's a lesson to be learned there. You know. Absolutely. That's the problem with auteurs, right? Is that how you can't give him free reign? No. Someone has to be there, yeah. and that's usually a yeah. contentious relationship. I think the biggest statement on on Hitch's influence has been. Um, Steven Spielberg, De Palma, John Carpenter, Sam Raimi, M. Night Shyamalan, Martin Scorsese, Romero, Bogdanovich, Argento, Friedkin, Cronenberg, and Tarantino all name him as a major influence. Yeah. Because I and run out of breath. Do you have Fincher in that list? Yeah. Uh, no. Fincher Fincher's in that list, too. I can see that. Yeah. I could totally see oh, the influence. Oh, definitely. I mean, De Palma, oh, yeah. is, he wears that on his sleeve. But I, Fincher, I, absolutely. And I think that's, that's why we... I think that's why we don't have more conversations about Hitchcock is because it, it, he's so monolithic, he's so huge that we we just we take it for granted. Well, he's become his own descriptive term, right? right. Hitchcockian. It's Hitchcockian, right. right? We we talk about you know we do a show about Tarantino, we do a show about Scorsese, we do a show about Fincher, but we don't do a show about Hitchcock mm, right. because it's it's so. It's it's almost like, well, we're not going to talk about the giant mountain that is over us because it's always there, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things I ran into in doing research for this was seeing so many people that in the past, that's the other daunting part, so many people in the past have dissected his work. Sure. And you feel like, well, I mean, it's been said so many times. Well, yeah, but who am I to talk about... <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Snoop Dogg. No, I, I remember. Uh, uh, I remember as a kid discovering, um, you know, the book. What is it? Uh, Truffaut on Hitchcock. Yeah. You know, and, oh, like, yeah. and I'm like, what? I'm like, that blew my mind. You know, and 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 and, and to be a fly on the wall there. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and Truffaut is another one. He's another one. It's like, okay, we all hear about him in film school. At least we used to. I don't know what happens in film school now. Yeah. Um, and it's almost, it's almost, you almost don't want to mention these guys because it's like, oh, yeah. They're such and, a presence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think they're important, and I think a lot of, especially young fans, are real quick to go, yeah, it was made in the twenties. I don't know that I'm gonna be that. I don't know yeah. that it's gonna be you know resonate that deeply with me. But it's like you'd be surprised. It's so right. important, and 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 I hope I I hope that people are, you know, I hope that teachers are making people watch Rope. I hope that people are making uh, kids watch. Um, I'll be honest. If I the Bicycle Thief. You sure, know, right. you know, sure, like sure. these are these are things that are important. But if I walk up to a guy and he talks about how, oh yeah, I do suspense films, and you go, oh my god, have you seen? You know, you must have seen I Confess. Right. No, no. no. What's me. that? There's a part of me that goes, hmm, I don't know that I want to see your film anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think I'm as we've talked about before. Time in the chair is so important. The ability to have such a big palette that you can literally pull anything you want yeah out is important and, and a lot of younger filmmakers if, you're a, filmmaker, if you're a filmmaker you benefit from having a really big toolbox absolutely yeah it, because otherwise uh, what you're doing is either derivative mm -hmm. or it's very limited in space. well you forget that you know everything everything's been done right and it's real easy to go I have this such a great idea and then you realize 
I have this great idea because I thought I saw Thirty Nine Steps like ten right. years ago. Exactly. You know, and I, and I worry about that a lot. Where it's like, is this really my idea, or is it just this weird yeah. thing that I've heard someplace else? Yeah. Um, strangers on a train. I mean, mm. Talk about a great bad. Guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm just trying to go through some of these because, and we're never going to get there's so there's so many. I mean, like. And I, and I was thinking about that. I'm like, it could have been really easy for this episode to be listy. Yeah. And just go, right. there's this movie, and then there's this And then movie. there's this one. Yeah. yeah. But that doesn't really get at the heart of what makes Hitchcock Hitchcock. Yeah, I just love the... There's an almost cruel aspects to his directing. Yeah. That I want to put you on a hook, and I want to watch you dangle on that for, yeah, yeah. for as long... The key is knowing when to go... Okay, dangle enough. Right. If I leave this you on this hook any longer, it's gonna be, it'll start being negative, right? To, the, to your perception of, yeah, yeah, of the right. moment or whatever. Right. Um, but and that is what he was when we when we used master. That's what he was master. Yeah. Yeah. It's the subtle stuff. Yeah. That I can imagine a young Alfred Hitchcock just like toying with small animals only, and, and, and instead of <laughs> instead of becoming a serial killer. He just tortured the rest of us. Well, right. Of, yeah, yeah. He he. Not only you know. There's definitely a uh, a masochistic element to him. Not only in his treatment of, for sadistic. example, these, these women. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. sadistic. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and and uh, uh, but in the treatment of the audience, like he, he, he you can just see the glee. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, on this guy, you know, he's rubbing his palms together because you're squirming in your seat. It, it goes back to the bomb analogy. It's like it's like I know that bomb's there, and instead of feeling the the agita that my audience is, right. it's like I'm the magician on the stage, and I know the trick, and right. I know, and I think it's funny. Um, Did we have the term MacGuffin before Hitchcock? No. Yeah. Well, that is a Hitchcock. Hitchcockian, I guess that is a word. Yeah. That is a that is a Hitchcock construct. Yeah. Um, and it's great. So MacGuffin is something in the narrative that drives it forward that has no relevance at all to what's going on. Mm-hmm. So, for example, like Rosebud the sled. Definitely a MacGuffin. Um, Trying to think of a good one, like in uh, in Psycho, the forty bucks or the forty thousand dollars that Marion steals. Mm-hmm. That's, right. the MacGuffin. That's the MacGuffin because it drives the narrative forward, but it has absolutely no meaning. Right. The briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Right. Right. Uh, and and yeah, I had never I I had never heard that term until I started reading about Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because now that you've read that. Now you can't you can't help but see it. Yeah, go, exactly. Oh, there's hey, that's the MacGuffin. Hey, there's the MacGuffin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that in in and of itself shows how important this guy is. That there's a, yeah. an entire uh, uh, there's a name for something that uh, comes from him, you know, and and it's like it's not like oh. No, this is the element. No, no, it's the MacGuffin. MacGuffin, because yeah. that's what he called it. I use it all the time. I had read Bruce Campbell's book, and they always called the people that the the schleps the shemps, yeah. And uh, yeah, to this shemps, day, exactly. I use shemps yeah. all the time. He's I'm a shemp. Shemp one, shemp two. 
see. I think. Do we have anything else? Well, uh, you know, this is. I'm looking at. Like, well, we just haven't talked about Notorious and oh, dude, right. Ingrid Bergman and. Just, oh yeah. yeah. And that's the and that's the disadvantage of having a two-hour show is that you can only talk about. But that's also, but I think that that's also the good thing is that, um, I, ideally, I hope people come away from these shows listening and going, "Fuck, I I really didn't. Yeah, I only saw Sco and the Birds. You mm-hmm. know, like I I need to There's check so out. There. There's so much. Oh my god. And, you know, it's, it's it's cool because I remember uh, some video store had like this huge, this was back in the VHS days, and it was like this I don't know, three foot length of VHS movies and it's like, the Hitchcock collection, and you go you know, ooh, and you go and you look and you realize, I've never heard of any of these movies (laughs) and so, but you buy it because it's Hitchcock and it's cheap and then you sit there and you watch you know, these silent films, and you're like Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's one of he's one of those names like Truffaut, where you go, well, as a film fan, I should see these. Yeah, and it's and because there's so many, it's easy to go. Well, I've seen like six, right? I'm covered. Yeah. No, you got Yeah, you got to do the same. Yeah, Hitch had 53 movies that he had director credit on. Uh, IMDb lists. 70, if you consider the TV series. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 53, 53 feature films, but had credits on a lot of other stuff, especially in the early days. And did a lot of producing, but it yeah. was all uncredited. Like yeah. Actually, everything on his MDB, it says he was a producer, but it's uncredited. Huh. Mm-hmm. So, I get it. Wow, right? What would a guy, what would a guy like Hitchcock be, be making today? Well, I think I mean I it's I don't know that if we I would, if we look at if we look at the film landscape like what I mean we kind of have we kind of have what he 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 was doing with like someone like Tarantino who literally at this point could do whatever he wants has his own visual and and writing style right um uh usually does things um novelty mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. and um and yet at the same time everything is depending on what side of the fence you're on, either a rip-off or an homage to something right. that's been done before. Well, that's, yeah, the Tarantino part. But the idea that, that, that it's still the idea of, like, one guy pushing this thing forward. Right. And, and um, like, again, developing their own style. Um, yeah, they're great. I, I don't... I always tell people, don't sleep on this stuff. Like, and it's easy to do that. It's easy to sleep on Truffaut right. and, and a lot of the French Expressionists. It's easy to sleep on a lot of Japanese cinema. Yeah. But mm-hmm. there's such good stuff there. Yeah. Um, uh, and you can see even the influence that Hitchcock had on even some Kurosawa stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So... And the, and the thing in fact, about Kurosawa it, shows up in the Hitchcock Truffaut documentary that just came out. Yes. To be a fly on that wall. Right. Right? right. <laughs> Could you imagine? No. Yeah. Remember, we, thought, we, we talked about it before, but like Meeting of the Minds. That would be one of mine. You know, yeah. Truffaut, Kurosawa, Hitchcock. Yeah. I was really I was really sad to see, it was a short-lived series on the El Rey channel where, uh, I think it was called The Director's Chair. Director's yeah. Chair. Man, that was great. That was great. And, and they would just sit he'd sit with the director and talk and we're, and we're probably going to talk about something later in the show about a format uh, a TV show that uh, is out now that uses that format that 
at least with this first episode, is amazing. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Uh, you will. Okay. You will. <laughs> All right. Well, okay, so I, I think we're done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scott, uh, check him out. <laughs> Which sounds dumb, right? Everybody, no, but, but you... Air. But you know I'm that, into it. Yeah. Great. <laughs> God, food is great. All right. So we'll be back in just a second. Okay, so, news and stuff. There's a lot here. (laughs) Um, Most of the deaths this week were, while very important to these people, (laughs) for our discussion benefits, there's there's not a lot, so I'll just go through them pretty quick. Alan Blevis, he was a voiceover artist. He did trailers, and he was the voice of the Democratic Party. Uh, Mm. um, Danelli Rhodes, he was an actor. He was in Soap and Battlestar Galactica. He played the sort of mobster boyfriend on Soap. Um, Jesse Crumb, son of R. Crumb. Yeah, man, that that sucked. Because that family, well, that was a messed up family. But, but, Mm. but, you know, I I, I think most of us just know Jesse Crumb from the, the bit that's in... Terry's Vigoff's film Crumb, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it was really cool watching him sit and draw with his dad, and it and and it sucks anytime anybody you know goes away. Yeah, well, he was in a car accident. He was in a car accident. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Um, huh. some Facebook group finding about old goths. 
Uh, announced that Cinnamon Hadley, she was the model, the visual model for death. For death in, in Gaiman and um, McKean. Oh, yeah. Uh, Roy Thomas of the Moody Blues. Yeah. That's yeah. a drag. Yeah, that's a drag. Betrays my age that I know who the Moody Blues right. is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mikio Fujioka, guitarist for Baby Metal. Baby yeah. Metal, yeah. Fell from an observatory. What? Ooh, Probably yeah. doing those that crazy, crazy urban parkour or whatever. Uh, dude, well, yeah, but, where you just go hang out on these. Yeah, you stand things. up on something mm-hmm. high and and look like a dope until you fall. <laughs> uh, Greta Thyssen, blonde, blonde bombshell from the fifties, sixties, yeah. sort of mm-hmm. the Mamie Van Doren esque, sort of big titted blonde. Mm-hmm. Right. At the time, um, I'm gonna skip over that guy, Darlene Tracy. Who was a, one of the original Mouseketeers? Huh. <laughs> huh. Yeah, huh. Uh, Dave Toshi. He was a real life cop who hunted Zodiac and yeah. right. Dirty Harry was based on him. Yeah. And then finally, Fast Eddie Clark, guitarist for Motorhead. Yeah. Of all of them, that's that seems to be the big one on my timeline that everyone was really feeling. Was feeling, yeah, was paying mm-hmm. attention to. Yeah. Yeah. As a guitarist, yeah. But Motorhead, Motorhead's Motorhead, and yeah. then, you know, um, I would never, would, if someone were to say, you know, who's a great guitarist, Fast Eddie's Clark wouldn't come up, in my opinion, but solid and yeah. important for the time. And important. Uh, moving on to news. Vin Diesel is in talks to be in a thing called Bloodshot, which, which was a valiant um, comic back in the day. Okay. Generic, bald assassin dude. Uh-huh. Pretty much diesel stock and trade now. <laughs> uh, Dave Harbour, the cop from Stranger Things, yeah, said that he may or may not sing in Hellboy. Yeah, what? Like, it's, it's like <laughs> what? Okay, first of all, if you're gonna work that in, don't don't tell me. Yeah, right. now I don't want to. Now, like I I was already I mean, like pissed off. Hellboy and sh- and like music. It's like. The Barry Manilow thing in Hellboy Two, and <laughs> which which Tom hates, and, and I, I and, 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 and I love. Uh, the one thing about David Harbour, though, months ago on Twitter or something, some girl said, "How many you know retweets do I need to get for you to come take my high school photo?" And uh, he's like, "I don't know, seventy five thousand and she got him. Yeah. And so this Ooh. week he went and got the photos taken. He was wearing her school sweater or shirt. <laughs> And he was holding a trombone. <laughs> it looked great. The, the photos are out there. It looked great. It, it looked just like, look at you. That's that's a that's standard a cool thing, thing to yeah, do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> Hattie McDaniel getting a biopic. Yeah. Can I about get, time. I was going to say, can I get about time yeah. on that? <laughs> Hattie McDaniel uh, Man, being the nurse Oscar in... Oscar speech um, still uh, makes me missed up. First yeah. black lady yeah. to get a Oscar. An Oscar, yeah. Um... And I understand how to be ushered in and out. Like, yeah. Oh, she, sure. She couldn't. Yeah. She couldn't hang with, you know, even though she was up for an award, she right. couldn't hang. Um, Eric Clapton, in an interview, admitted that he has tinnitus and is going deaf. Right. That's a drag. Yeah, that is a drag. <laughs> um, he's he's still going to perform, um, at least now. Sure. You know. Yeah. Uh, at this point, it's all by rote, right? You can yeah. play "I Shot the Sheriff" without having to hear it. Right. Yeah. 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 But it's 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 this horrible irony, you know. Right. Like Beethoven in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. Right. The it'd thing be, that you rely on. It'd be like 
you know, Frazetta going blind. You know, yeah. You know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Snowpiercer uh, TV series coming to TNT. Yay! Uh, why? Why? I can't <laughs> wait. Why indeed? Like, I don't get it. Like, didn't we wrap this up in the last one? Or are we on another train that's going... <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Um, Stafford, Staffordshire in the UK is getting a theme park based on the Wicker Man. Yes. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. <laughs> that's really weird. I like, know. All right, but, everyone's sitting in this wooden man, and we just like you just burn it. We yeah, we'll have goats pee on you, and it'll be great. You stick your wait, head wait, in wait. this thing and bees. <laughs> Goats pee on me. Goats pee on me. I'm in. Isn't that a story he talks about, like, being in that big wicker man, and they actually had the animals up there, and the, the animals were freaking out and, like, peeing on him? Isn't that in the, I would swear I've heard that story. Nick Cage is insane. He's insane. This new movie they're doing with, he's doing with Selma Blair about the mom and dads killing their kids. Is so it's like cage it is it, mom and dad mom and dad yeah yeah, yeah. we were talking about it a couple of weeks I, I dude I'm so on board for that because it's like it's like hey man we want you to be yeah we gave just, Nick Cage a, a pound of cocaine <laughs> and some gin and, and go go awesome. uh, Tim Miller who did Deadpool is supposedly working on a Kitty Pride movie no word whether Alan Page and, will star but it's now that the uh, they bought up the rights to all the fox stuff they're, wait they're is this is, is that a comic book thing yeah you don't care i'm like i i'm I mean, like, I you, like, it's like you don't care <laughs> but it's it's tim miller who did deadpool and that's kind of cool and okay. kitty, kitty pride's a, a fun character it's it's a female lead character and that's always good uh-huh yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm still waiting for the awesomeness that's going to be the Squirrel Girl movie. <laughs> Squirrel Girl. That's gonna, I think that's going to come to TV. Okay. Whatever it is. I know. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown from um, Stranger Things to, right. pr- to produce and star in um, a film series based on the Enola Holmes mysteries. Sherlock Holmes' little sister uh-huh. that solves crime. Right. What really? worries me is film series. Like she's planning more, more than one of these. Uh-huh. So, and it's interesting how a twelve-year-old girl can suddenly get projects launched in Hollywood. Yeah. Mm. Talk about the lemming latitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this um, Fahrenheit 451 that HBO is doing yeah. says it's going to stick right with the book. Cool. Good. Which okay. I'm good with. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good with. Let's see. That's one of those movies that, like, I, I, I like it, but it's so. It's so. The movie's super British. The, well, mm-hmm. That's it, right? Super like, it's, British. Yeah, and and it's like, I remember when I was a kid, I'd watch movies that were released to big American audiences. Um, the Neverending Story comes to mind. Yeah. And I'm just like, why does it feel so? weird yeah you know and it's because it's foreign yeah and 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 i couldn't put my finger on it for a long time it's like well i mean you know that shouldn't matter but somehow it does yeah when something is like very british or very that's the early doctor who stuff you look at it and you go this is clearly bbc stuff right yeah yeah uh let's see brian fuller who did american gods and hannibal 
is now running the showrunner on this uh, Vampire Chronicles on TV based yeah. on Anne Rice books. Yeah. I don't okay. know, I don't know who asked for that, but now with the demise of things like True Blood and, and whatever else, sure. Vampires on TV, yeah, let's do that. And if you're going to do them, and there's a, supposedly they they have the rights to all of the Vampire Chronicles books, so okay, okay. Las Vegas has opened a saw-based escape room. Oh God! <laughs> I just want it to be real. Do you remember? Do you remember? <laughs> for some people, it should be. Like, can you can you dial that up and say, make it real for this guy, yeah. and I'll be over here. <laughs> the short-lived Eli Roth uh, horror exhibit that they had in Las Vegas? No. I, I, I can't remember the name of it now. Here's the toilet where I get all my ideas. It's exactly what you <laughs> thought it was. Yeah. And I, I see this going the same route. It's a saw-based escape room. I think, I think it opens. It does, it does some business. And then everyone goes, like most of these escape rooms, they go, yeah, okay. I did it. And then they don't do it again. And then right. the place closes. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, if you if if you're going to have an escape room, you have to have changing, like it's an exhibit and it's open for from yeah. this date to this date, and then you need yeah. a new adventure because it's like yeah. they did that id house in um, L. A. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of cool. Uh, Gore Verbinski has left Gambit. More comic mm. stuff. They're having real trouble with that. They can't get it going. They got a, they got an actor and they got a character, but they can't get the film happening. <laughs> Okay. Gambit, so, X Men, yeah. Cajun dude with a long coat. For a while, Jean Claude Van Damme. His, what's his? What's his? Uh, what's he can his power? energize cards that he flips and blows right. cars and stuff. <laughs> I, I thought that's what it was, yeah. but uh, yeah. that sounds really dumb. I'm sorry. I, yeah. just... Well, he's this. He's one of the. He's got this reputation of being like he's super sexy and da 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 da. And so I, I'm surprised if they were going to do start doing solo movies that they didn't do one of these sooner. Uh-huh. Uh, let's see, bunch of shifting going on. This is more superhero stuff, so I'll go through this really fast. They've changed a bunch of dates. Deadpool um, has moved its release date is moved from June 1st to May 18th, so they've moved Deadpool up. So they're trying to get a jump on the summer season, right? Uh, New Mutants has moved from April, mid-April to m- late February, so they moved that up. Oh wow! Okay, that's a bad time. And, that's a bad time for movies. And huh. Gambit has been moved from February uh, to um, uh, June because they've just lost a director. Yeah, and so that's <laughs> what that shuffling was about. And I don't think it, much of it matters because I, you know. I'm, I just I'm feeling more and more like every return on every one of these films is becoming a little less and a little less. Yeah, and we've talked about how these these big franchises, Star Wars, is the 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 one that comes to mind. Uh, more and more, it seems to be less about what the. It's like, oh, we don't like you're not you're not fitting the formula, so mm-hmm. we're firing. It's the, truly franchise, and films. we are in you know putting like if you if you have your own ideas. We don't want you. But, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, too bad. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I guess Verizon has started something called Go90. It's its own little network. Okay. Um, they announced that they're doing something called Critters, a new binge. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm on board for that. It, it's, it's practical. It's, it's got to be yeah. practical. Okay, that's a solid point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I was, uh, but then again, I was really excited about like the Tremors. <laughs> what happened and to that? I, who knows? I don't know. I just remember everyone was talking about the TV series, and, the, and Kevin Bacon was on board, and then yeah, I don't, I didn't, who knows? Uh, Taraji B Henson, who's in um, Empire, yeah, is uh, going to star and produce in a film about Emmett Till. Well, cool. It, is she? It, is she? She not, doesn't play Emmett Till. No, 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 no. But is she not? <laughs> is she, is, doesn't she have a movie coming out like this week? She has. A, she has yeah. Proud Mary just came out. Right. And she's being sort of set up as this female um, ass kicker. Right. Lots mm-hmm. of guns. Lots of snappy comebacks. Yeah. And um, but but now that she's in a position to get things made, I find it fascinating that this is the first thing she yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, story yeah. of Emmett Till. Collaterally, what's interesting is John Singleton is going to direct. He did Boys in the Hood. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of on board for that. Yeah. She'll probably play, play a wife or a mother or something. Who knows? Um, I, I'm, I'm excited to see Proud Mary. Yeah. I am too. That looks I cool. hear it's a little anemic in the story, but the action's very cool, and she's great. Yeah. So I loved her as Queenie in... Uh, Empire? No, no. Uh, uh, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 She was she's great in that. She was in Hidden Figures. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. So, Natalie Portman is doing a movie called Pale Blue Dot. It's It's fictionalized, but it's essentially based on that story. Remember the astronaut woman that wore diapers and drove across the country to try yes. to... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, based yeah. on that. That I'm in. Huh. Yeah, I'm in. That's interesting. Yeah, for sure. This one, this one got me. I, I don't really get this, but so, producer, produced by David Leach, who produced um, and co-directed John Wick. Right. Um, written by Derek Kolstad, who wrote John Wick. Mm-hmm. A movie called Nobody, about a regular guy pushed to his limits, and that regular guy is being played by Better uh, Better Call Saul's Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, I I saw this. I like it. I think it's cool. I, I and unless he starts whipping out Indonesian sea lot or something like that, then right. you have a problem. But if it's just a guy pushed sloppily shooting up a room. Yeah, I mean, well, I've always kind of that. yeah, that's that that idea has always appealed to me, and I think it appeals to a lot of people because it it's 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 living vicariously. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I want to be <laughs> the guy in in falling down. You know, before we right. find out that he's coupons. <laughs> <laughs> but how many times have you been in a situation where it's just like, man, I wish, I wish I could just punch this idiot, you know, or, or, you know what I mean? I think this is a little, like, more pointed than that, like, someone fucking with him, Let's or like, see. hey, he's just, he's just nobody, right. and, you know, so, it's, it's certainly fertile ground, you know, what, what yeah. they do with it, you know, clearly, because I don't like the direction they're taking, and I like, and, and I like, John I like the choice of him, Oker. because, yeah, he, he, he's not, uh, uh, you know, it's you can't take somebody like let's say for example Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. and put him in that role. He's not. He's always going to be Arnold. He's always going to be Arnold. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It's kind of we were talking about with the crow. It's like the elephant mm-hmm. in the room is that the crow is six foot five and two eighty. Right. It's like, uh, right. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking of which, John Wick's series coming to stars called The Continental, which is what we were talking about exactly. back in the day. That might be cool. That could be super cool. We were talking about how, you know, make make the series based on the hotel, make your central character the concierge, right. and you just spin off stories from there. Yeah. Every time. Because John Wick's not the only guy going there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio supposedly has joined Tarantino's Manson picture. But I thought to play Manson, I would think, or maybe a cop chasing Manson, that might be more. That easy. that's probably more likely. Yeah, yeah. I I'm I'm on board. I mean, like I I sure I love. Maybe he could play Tex. Right, right. That that actually that's a good call. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hmm. All right. And then uh, let's see. I'm waiting for everyone to say who, but Eva O, um, the she's a industrial sort of goth singer, um, part of like sh- seminal goth bands, and all of them are not coming to my mind. Right. Um, but she's recorded first record in over a decade. Okay. Mm. Uh, Eva O, very severe, very um, not quite the the foot. Footprint in the sand that like Diamante Galas has done, right? Dave. But it's it's pretty big. Cool. Um, I'm kind of into that. Uh, Mark Wahlberg re- supposedly refused to okay Christopher Plummer to do to cover for Kevin Spacey and All the Money in the World based on uh, until they paid him a million dollars, like as a bonus. Like right. if I have to come back and do this, this, and this, you're going to pay me another million. Uh-huh. They paid Michelle Williams to do the same thing per diem. Today it was announced that Wahlberg has donated that money the, to that the, money to the meet the, the uh, times, times up. Uh, uh, yeah. It just confirms what we all know, and that's Mark Wahlberg is an asshole. Right, and right. it's only it's only until he gets his his feathers you know pinned yeah. um, that he gets contrite. But remember, this is the guy who beat a dude nearly to death just because he was Asian. Right. You know, so fuck that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck that. Bonus material says, fuck that fuck guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> FPG. Um, Clive Owen has joined Will Smith's next movie, The Gemini Man, and they just announced a female lead. I have no idea what it's about. I don't either. I just saw some movie that Colin Farrell did, some scene from a movie where Will Smith plays Lucifer. Ooh. Russell, what? Yeah, Russell Crowe is in it. Hmm. Colin Farrell, I forget the name. But it looked terrible. I was gonna say it's, it's oh. got to be great. No, it looked terrible. <laughs> like Russell Crowe talking to to Luc- uh, Lucifer, and, and then it cuts, and it's like it's the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> <laughs> I remember an interview with Will Smith where they they were talking about how you choose projects, and he's like, "Well, we look at what made the most money in this, you know, from this time span to this time span, and it was all." Science fiction or fantastic films, mm-hmm. so that's what we're doing. That's what we do. We took yeah. a, we took one of the most beloved books in the genre <laughs> and turned it into like the most emotionally heavy, gravitous moment that it has is when the dog dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. What a dog. God, I hate that movie. I know. So supposedly they're doing a cyborg movie. You don't care from J- Justice League, the the metallic. Um, no, I was gonna say, dude. Cyborg is great. I love that movie. Uh, But it's going to be an origin. No one cares. Um, UK's Channel 4 is bringing a series based on Gareth um, Edwards' Monsters. Mm. You ever see Monsters? I did. Yeah. 
and uh, it was cool. There could have been more monsters. <laughs> they were all. It was all that same sort of Cloverfield right. kind of. Yeah. Look at how big it is. Uh, I also had printed out the winners on both the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choices. Do we want to go through much of these? Uh, not too much, uh, uh, because one, by this point, everybody knows. Everybody knows. I, I will mean, say that the Critics' Choice Awards had um, Shape of Water one big. Yeah. yeah it's, and it's now moved to the front runner. It, it sounds like this year in the Oscars it's going to be a contest between... Um, Shape of Water and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Right. With maybe Lady Bird somewhere. Yeah, I don't think it's good. It won't get Best Picture. No, no. Yeah, the, she might. I'd, I don't even know. She might get Best Actress. Um, I think a couple of things are being sort of sewn up. Best Actress, both of these, Frances McDormand. Yeah. I think you're going to see her win. Yeah. Um, best actor uh, is kind of being split between Gary Oldman in Darkest Hour and Sam Rockwell in Three Billboards. Yeah. Uh, best supporting actor seems to be just being handed Allison Janney for I, Tonya. Yeah. Which I think she deserves, actually, if you've seen that. Yeah, she looks... Yes. It's amazing. Um, I had thought that you were going to see supporting actress go to woefully underrated... Laurie Metcalf for uh, Lady Bird, mm-hmm. but that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, By the way, the Golden Globes, um, you know, everybody was all excited about Oprah's speech, but then right after it, man, Del Toro wins Best yeah. Director, yeah. and it's such a good speech. Yeah, it's it's like speech. I was like, yeah. he's talking to me. Yeah, yeah. 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 When he talk, I love to hear that guy talk about just a love of. Genre and, yeah. and of monsters. Um, best original song. Well, Greatest Showman had to win something. Like yeah, that. yeah. A lot of people are really digging that, but it just does not look good to me. I, d- I don't know. And I, and and I'm not against musicals. I just something about it. It just I, I gotta ch- yeah. I, I gotta watch it. I gotta check. Yeah, it, out. it looks colorful in the same way like Moulin Rouge was colorful. Right. Well, I I think probably I, for me it's a lot of. Uh, what I would have liked to have seen, because mm-hmm. I love the story of how the, the the circus got started. Yeah, you know, um, and but I don't know if that's it, it's based on Barnum, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Certainly seems that way. Uh, let me see. Let me go through the Golden Globes again. Again, Shape of Water, um, uh, best uh, best director, best score. Uh, deservedly so. I'm surprised that Richard Jen- Jenkins isn't getting more love. Me too, because that he was. I great. thought he was he was really something. This is me thinking. Uh, best song. Well, from as far Coco. as that goes, is, is Sally Hawkins getting any kind no. of? And that blows me crazy away. Crazy because mm-hmm. she, her performance in that is nuts. And talk about taking the taking your dialogue away. Um, <laughs> but also no makeup effects, no no awards or that. That's crazy. That's criminal. Uh, let's see. Best actor in a comedy. I don't really want to get start splitting hairs like that. James Franco. Uh, best sci-fi horror film was Get Out because they had to give it something. <laughs> best original screenplay. The same thing. Did Blade Runner picked up anything? Mm, no. That I saw. It oh wait. Best have. cinematography. Roger okay. Jenkins. Okay. Well, it's it's which that, I, I'll good. take that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It's going to, do we care about TV? No, not really. No. Handmaid's Tale won big. Um, um, 
the rest of it's kind of just nonsense. Stranger Things won for Best Supporting Actor, Dave Harbour. Uh, lots of Handmaid's Tale again. Best Talk Show, Jimmy Kimmel. Best Animated Series, Rick and Morty. These are all false <laughs> choice. Yeah. So it, it looks like things that are deserving for once are rising to the top. Sure. Specifically, Shade of Water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'll be... I haven't seen Three Billboards, but I just can't imagine it, I'm going to like it more than I liked Shape of Water. Well, I, it, I, re- I remember when the trailer first came out, we were like, holy shit, this looks great. And they also, you also know this, this isn't going to leave you feeling good. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I bet it's one of those movies that I watch it and I go, that was amazing. I never want to see it again. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I'm kind of there. Yeah, with it. I, I don't know that I need to see it again. Yeah, I, I certainly enjoyed it the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen Shape of Water yet, Heather? I have not seen it yet, but I am just blown away by what I'm hearing about it. People who don't see movies are just gushing over this. So that tells me it must be spectacular. It's gorgeous. It's, it, it really is. I, again, I, I compared it a lot to like Amelie or Hugo, mm-hmm. as both visually and tonally. It is. It is completely a love letter to to movies, even which though, is so great. I just. I mean, Guillermo del Toro. Good God, I just, just love to see it. I just love seeing him getting so much attention because yeah. yeah. um, he deserves it, and I wish he was doing more monster movies. Yeah, you just just leave him alone. Yeah, just give him yeah. money and leave him alone. Yeah, and he'll he'll deliver you. I there was an article floating around about what if Del Toro actually did go ahead and take control of of um, the dark the Universal Dark Universe it, thing. It would be amazing. It would be amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. There's no one I, I can't think of anyone else <laughs> better suited for that. And, well yeah. And I see them going like Jordan Peele, who seems to be the big savior of genre now, which I don't get at all. But okay. You know, well, get I out mean, was fine, but I just don't see it him I mean Del here's a man Del Toro with just Entry after entry in there, and it's just, mm. all of it's been brilliant. It may not all have been successful, but it's yeah. all been brilliant. All brilliant. Yeah. Uh, the first movie of his I ever saw was Kronos. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I'm in. After that, anything you want to show me, I am in. Yeah, if you De- Devil's Backbone was for me. Man. It was just like stunning. Oh my god! And through that, I, I discovered things like one of my all-time favorite films, the uh, the Thai film Dorm. About the right. haunted boys yeah. thing that I've talked yeah, about yeah, here yeah. before. Anyway, um, give him all the work. Give him all the movies yeah. first. Uh, let's see. Moving on to trailers, and Heather's at a disadvantage because uh, we didn't. I neglected to center the trailer list. Uh oh. So, so maybe you've seen some of these, and maybe you haven't, Heather. Hopefully. Um, and if not, I'll give some side commentary anyway. There you go. <laughs> first up. Bill Hader has a new comedy coming. I think it's just a uh, Netflix called Barry, about an assassin um, who discovers a love of acting, and he doesn't understand why he can't do both. Right. Um, <laughs> I love Bill Hader. Yeah, he's always funny. This looks hilarious. The yeah. guy, um, uh, Stephen Re- is playing his assassin handler. His, his partner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the guy that gives him his assignments yeah. and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I'm in. I, it looks fun. It does look fun. 
Uh, and w- the thing that really sold me was I was expecting it to be kind of like Rain Wilson had a series of few months ago, six months or a year ago. Right. Um, I expected that where he looks goofy as a cop, mm-hmm. and I was expecting this with Bill Hader. But there's a scene in the in the trailer where he comes at the car and he lifts the gun and starts firing. Clearly, you buy it. You buy it. You yeah. buy it. Yeah. So I'm in. Uh, next up, film called Beirut. John Hamm stars um, about negotiation in the Middle East. Right. Um, mm. Looks intense. It does. It looks very intense. He's he's, he's a negotiator, um, and they capture a friend of he, his. Yeah, exactly. And he kind of happens to be in the right place at the right time. And and uh, I don't know. It's like you know. It looks cut from the same cloth as things like The Peacemaker or The Kingdom right. or that, you know, Hurt Locker in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you like that stuff. Let's see. Up next, um, low-budget horror comedy, Butcher the Bakers, about these two guys that have to, they end having to kill death. Do you remember <laughs> this? Yeah, yeah. That, I, I, this looks dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Not that it looks dumb, but it feels very low budget. Right. Made on a dime in yep. much in kind of the same way as um as as Bill's Dave Made a Maze. Um, mm. it's funny that you, you mentioned that because when I first when the trailer first started, I'm like, I'm getting the same feel. Yeah. And it's then it ve- went dumb. <laughs> it's very <laughs> DIY looking. Um the dialogue looked fun. And I just included it because here's here's people doing what we always talked about, making a feature on... on sure, on, on, on a little bit of money. Uh, next up, looks like a almost a Lovecraft-inspired tale of Atlanteans. Dude, I want to see this. It's called Cold Skin. Yeah. Dude mm. comes to a lighthouse that uh, this gold dude who... Uh, who's that actor? The actor looks so familiar, but I couldn't put my finger. I on couldn't. It. I didn't know anybody in it. Um, but anyway, uh, and the lighthouse is all fortified, and it turns out that these things are coming. These, and these. it almost looks like he befriends one. Yeah, so. it's hard to tell from the trailer. It, it, uh, but it's it's you know it's fishmen. It's fishmen, and it's like <laughs> it's touching all of my things. It's like oh, it's a period yeah. film. And there's Actually, like, I saw this on Facebook. Lorelai put it up, and I was like, "I'm all, yeah, I know this is straight up for Langley because yeah. this is so in the bit." Absolutely. Yeah. It look, it looks fun. Yeah, I won't. I, I won't see I'm it at the movie theater. It. Yeah, but I probably would see it. Watch it. It on probably Netflix. won't play at the movie you're, theater. Yeah, you're probably <laughs> right. Next up, Netflix documentary on men and corporations called Dirty Money. Netflix Ooh. has has been doing a series of these kind of expose type. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the mind of the murderers, right? Yeah, 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 and and, uh, and they're all good. So this this also this looks. looks good. It's made by the same guys who did the boys in the room, the Enron the, the thing. Smartest guys, smartest in the room. guys in the room, and and who also did the 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 trailer we saw last week, uh, uh, the China. Oh yeah, uh, the, uh, the China. I can't shit, remember, but whatever. yeah. About about all these people rushing to invest in China right, and finding right. out that, and this is more there. just like people like Martin Shkreli, the, the dude who did the boosted the drug prices, AIDS vaccine, yeah, yeah. AIDS vaccine, yeah. and and a lot of other people. At one point, they asked a guy in the trailer, "Are you a moral man?" He's all he answers, "I'm a businessman," and it's like that's a big no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. um, interesting. I think I think it does look interesting. It does look cool. 
Next up, Flower, a comedy about a wise-cracking teen girl who looks like a, she turns into a vigilante. They find someone... They they target this guy. It, I mean, it's it's interesting. They target this guy uh, as a uh, pedophile? It kind of reminds me of a goofy hard candy. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and, she goes after this guy, like, starts running into him places. And, yeah. Huh. And then, and it, like, put it, putting him in these compromising situations and then, t- like, taking photographs. And so they're essentially framing him. Yeah. Uh, but based on the idea that he did something to this kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she gets a stepbrother that they learn that this guy molested him. Or, and, and, or did he? Or that, did that's he? the that's the interesting part. You yeah, know, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's along the same lines as the end of the fucking world. Those yeah, films yeah, that yeah, are yeah, hitting yeah. that and that's out on Netflix. And we just talked about it last yeah. week. Next up, Ghost Stories. It looks like an anthology of ghost stories. Oddly enough, with yeah. Martin Freeman from the <laughs> Hobbit movie. And I only put this on this list this week because um, of his involvement. This he, is Martin Freeman doing like straight up. He does some genre in the past, but yeah. this is this is something else. Seems this pretty looks cool. Uh, it, it, yeah, it 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 uh, it looks heavy on story, which I I really mm-hmm. like. Well, mm-hmm. ghost stories have to be. Yeah. Do you have a favorite ghost story, Heather? Ghost film. I, say that again. Favorite film on ghosts. Uh, ghost story. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Although the others is astonishing, I love. It. Yeah, the others is great. That is good. I you got to I've always every time it comes up, I always tell people you got to listen to it in headphones. You know the yes. movie that I think like it, it, I I like it. It's good, uh, especially visually. But I also feel like it was just like they. It's like they scored a touchdown, but they scored it by fumbling and mm. falling and mm. and 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 that's Mama. I feel oh like, yeah, I feel like yeah, you just uh, like you like could almost yeah exactly yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with the others. Yeah, for me. Uh, let's see next. Animated Godzilla, baby. That looks Oops. really cool. <laughs> Godzilla Monster Planet. Yeah, I don't. Okay. I don't know what's going on or I don't how either. we get there. I love that. I love that it's not dubbed and that everybody's just like, "Yo, go, no shit about you." Great guys. Yeah, It looks very cool. A lot of slow motion, a lot of uh, scope. It's doing of... that cool thing that a lot of Japanese anime does now, where your your characters are look like an anime, but then there are these amazing shots that are essentially CG. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the monsters and the and the background of the cityscape and the explosion and all that all that looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. BBC One doing apocalyptic spy thriller called Hard Sun. This one's not ringing a bell on me. Yeah, I it has to do with something in the future, some sort of um serum somebody thing. some it, I, apparently somebody figures out that, you know, the end of the world is coming in 5 years. Right. Is what it seems like. Yeah. And uh you know, and how that affects people. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, lives are still going on. And you know, uh, how do you? It's interesting. How do you? How do you deal with that? Like, I you know, I mean, there are people who have believed that. Yeah. What was the Will of the Foe movie recently about the end of the world? Something hours. Oh, 
I don't know. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. All I can think of is is the Florida Project. Yeah, no, this is about how basically the world is told like there's a there's something on the way, and you guys got about twelve hours. Oh wow! And it's about yeah. this last night that they they all people all spend together before huh. the world ends. Well, I think the answer is obvious. Party. As hard as you can, because there's nothing meaningful meaningful you're going to be able to do in 12 hours. You might as well have a good time. Yeah. Well, what's the joke about the guys on the plane? The plane's going down, and the idea. What would you do in that situation? And the guy goes, "I would start having sex with anything that moves." And he goes, "What about you, (laughs) Saul? I would try to sit perfectly still." (laughs) Um, Red Sparrow. Jennifer Lawrence. Essentially, doing the Black Widow—it's Black Widow, the the Scarlett Johansson thing that they just announced yeah. they're going to do one. Right, woman who is brought into a program—they're um, called Sparrows, and they use sex to get either to kill people or to get information. information. Yeah, and and it sounds like she learns the oh, this is a horrible thing. I'm in part, and I'm going to go rogue and leave and yeah. Again, there's elements, very much Black Widow. Story. Yeah, there's elements of Black Widow. There's elements of La Femme Nikita a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. By the way, like I, it bugs me that whenever I talk about La Femme Nikita, people are like, "I love that show." No, I'm like, no, yeah. no, you don't. Uh, you don't need those kind of people in your life. That's right. <laughs> a couple more. <clears throat> Charlize Theron comedy based on motherhood, written by Diablo Cody, who did Juno, right, and writ- uh, directed by Jason Reitman, who did Juno, right. Uh, I'm in- I'm interested. They also did this movie, Grown Up. Is it Grown Up? Ah, shit. That sounds familiar. Where she's pregnant and Patton Oswalt's in it. God damn it, I forget the name of it. But anyway, this looks like a woman having kids and what a situation this is. And some woman come in named Tully to like felt a little Mary Poppinsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, like I'm gonna put your order life in order, and I fear it can go one of a couple of ways. It's a comedy, so it could. It's probably look at this madcap thing, as opposed to something like she becomes the lover of both Charlie's Theron and the husband. I, that would be uh, horrible. I don't know. I I uh, I do know that I liked. I like the trailer. I like the tone of the trailer. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're following this mom who's getting woke up by the baby crying in the middle of the night. She's got to go make the bottle. She's doing everything she can to finally get the baby to sleep. She has to, lays the baby in, in the crib mm-hmm. and has her phone out, I guess, to take a picture of the baby and drop the phone on the baby. I've and, done that. And, <laughs> and we've all done that, right? <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, and, and so I like that. that, yeah. that looks it, it seemed very real. Yeah. You know? Maybe, maybe it's Diablo Cody returning to form after Jennifer's body yeah, and yeah. the rest of the stuff. She's, yeah. been, she's been doing TV a lot lately. Um, one more. Uh, the Vanishing of Sydney Hall. Dakota Fanning. Something about a mystery involving a missing writer. Yeah. Dude writes a book out of the box. It's a classic. Yeah. Reminded me a little of J.D. Salinger. Uh, exactly. That's that's exactly what I thought. And... and uh, the kid playing the author is the, mm. the, the, the Percy Jackson. Oh, the, yeah, the kid who played Percy Jackson. Which Man, is different. Way. That series went into the ground like a dart. Well, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> how could it not? Yeah, <laughs> I saw the first one, and it, you know, it had it was it was YA. It had all sorts of effects. Yeah, and, 
I don't know. Uh, so let's go around the table. That's that's all those. Uh, Heather, what have you been watching? Yeah, uh, I've been playing a little bit of Netflix roulette and just kind of seeing what shows up in my mailbox. Um, so last night watched Cleopatra Jones. Nice. Yes. Which nice. was super fun. Um, and then the one right before that was Fight for Your Life. With, with you Anderson? Yeah, which, yeah, oh my exactly. God. That is How like, bizarre is that? It's the most racist thing ever. <laughs> Plus, it's rapey, which makes it even better. It's super rapey. It's racist and rapey. It, I don't imagine that on the poster. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For those that haven't seen it, it's about some guy, some white supremacy convicts that invade the house of a black family. And the right. black family takes a lot of abuse until they finally go, fuck this shit. And, um, exactly. And they go all straw dogs on They go way straw dogs <laughs> on But William Sanderson, who was uh, J.F. Sebastian and Blade Runner, yeah. he's on a Bob Newhart show. He's yeah. a real prick in this movie. Yeah. Which yeah. is, which oh, is yeah. a, which good is a, on you. Look at you with this whole blaxploitation thing. Well, it's just, I put stuff on my Netflix, and there's so many things that aren't on streaming. Mm-hmm. So you just start throwing stuff on there. It's like, ooh, look, look what came today. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that was cool. And uh, my husband and I last week went downtown to the little art house and saw I, Tanya. Oh, okay. How was that? It was... I should be able to answer that question, right? I was expecting something like Best in Show or This is Spinal Tap. And no, it was much more docudrama. Wow. And it was pretty good. I mean, it, you walk out of there going, wow, she got screwed. Yeah, people um, are loving it. Nancy Kerrigan was just like, won't even talk about it. Yeah. Oh, no. No, uh, and, you know, and she did okay. I mean, she got out of there with silver medal and endorsement deals, and mm-hmm. she's done okay for herself. But My, uh, my only problem well, is the actress playing Tanya looks more like Nancy Kerrigan than she does Tanya. True. <laughs> I, I will tell you, though, she learned how to figure skate. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big deal. Who knew that she was going to turn into, like, this solid actress, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of people are already talking about doing her mom is for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do think it's a little tone deaf. Like at the um, Golden Globes, mm-hmm. they were kind of lauding her, but they, in the same time, they were lauding like women, and it's like, remember how she got here? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know that we should really be doing these. Yeah. Um. But there you go. Well, that's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. You? Um. So the, the most recent thing that I watched is also a Netflix thing, and that was the first episode of David Letterman's. Yeah, and my next. Ooh, we just watched that last night. And, How was that? Uh, I cried. Amazing! Oh. It's so good. Um, I first of all, I love that format. Uh, mm-hmm. just, just two guys two, talking. Two guys talking in a chair. Yeah. There's nothing crazy going on in the background. There's no band. There's no, none of that shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And it would have been, it would have been really easy to talk shit about the current administration, and and that would have been fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure there were people, you know, making decisions like, we're not going to do this. And and while I was kind of expecting that and hoping for that, what I got instead was so much more. Sad stories. Yeah, exactly. And and it was was wonderful. And 
and uh, uh, both um, Obama and Letterman are engaging, and mm-hmm. and then they do these little side trips uh, with with uh, John, Lewis, John Lewis on the bridge, and, and on the bridge, and, and, yeah. and it's amazing. It, it's really really good. Uh, I I got very man. I just realized like I didn't realize how much I missed both of these guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. and with listening to Obama talk after the last couple of days, you, you're just like Jesus. Like what happened to that? And yeah. then realizing that. The way, you know, and if you don't agree with me, spare me the letter about how he was, I imagine his identity had he not faced the resistance that he faced, um, what he could have accomplished if if these crackers, old old hillbillies would have just gotten out of the way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It was, it was amazing. And the next one's going to, I guess, going to be George Clooney. Right. Um, hmm. The list of people he's interviewing are people like Jay Z, Howard Stern, Tina Fey. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm in. I love. I do nothing on my time that I'm not listening to movies or whatever else. Music is. I listen to podcasts. I love the idea of people talking and people telling stories. Yeah, and that's what this is. In, in, yeah. In, in, and that's what that's what was really great about this particular episode is that, and and Obama even uh, uh, alludes to it at one point. He's like. You know, first and foremost, as a as a politician, as a leader, as as all these things, you have to be a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if you don't get somebody to listen to your story, mm-hmm. whatever that is, you're not you're not going to go anywhere. Especially with the John decide that Martin mm-hmm. right. audiences have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've yeah. offered it all before. That's yeah. good. That's really cool. Yeah, we really enjoyed it last yeah. night. Uh, was that it? Yes. Uh, I have watched. Nothing. Yeah. Yay! I applaud you, sir. <laughs> I have watched last night after the Obama thing, uh, the Letterman Obama thing. We watched Tom Segura has a new special called Disgraceful, and uh, I, I'm a big Segura fan. I'm a big Your Mom's House fan, and um, solid stuff. Solid uh, hour ten of comedy. Sure. Not really pointed. There wasn't anything. It was all kind of silly. Mostly talking about. You know, farts and stuff, which is in line with your your mom's house. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, every time I go to tr- I have go to put a movie on, I go, I want to do something else. <laughs> awesome. What are you doing with all your spare time now, Tom? Well, I, I'm doing. I've got. I'm finishing up the sequel to the zombie book. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. Working on that, and I'm doing a couple of other things. I'm just trying not to to feel obligated because it was right. I'll be honest after two years of doing a movie a day it was taking the fun out of it yeah so uh, do you have any book recommendations Heather you got a couple more things and we'll so this will sound really pandering but I'm literally reading Moonlight Serenades right now look at that yeah, <laughs> yeah that's too bad I apologize no, it's it's fantastic. I'm really enjoying it. I, you know, but I got this I got this stack of books. So I you know I'm working through some new Adam Neville, nice. which is a uh, out of the UK. Who's actually his movie The Ritual? It's not his movie, but the the movie The Ritual that his book is the movie that his book is based on uh, comes out on Netflix in February. Oh, cool, cool. And uh, looking forward to that. So reading some Alan or Adam Neville, reading some Ram Campbell. But yeah, right now I'm I'm working through Moonlight Serenades. Some clown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm reading. I'm still reading through my uh, masters, uh, uh, Spanish masters of comic art. Uh, oh, cool. That I got <laughs> for my birthday. It's really, it's really, really good. That is very uh, cool. I'm also reading. Uh, uh, 
collection of Hellboy short stories nice. called uh, An Assortment of Horrors, uh-huh. um, edited by Christopher Golden, who, oh, wow. who does really cool oh. stuff in, in, within that universe. Uh-huh. He's done a lot of, like, the Baltimore. Man, Baltimore's badass, man. <laughs> if you get a chance, read the Baltimore novel, because it's like... Right. or the, the and it's by Golden? Uh, yeah, it's Baltimore, and then the subtitle is The Steadfast Tin Soldier. Nice. That's scary. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I haven't read them yet, but I just got uh, two books. Um, Artie Lang won a bet. More talking about gambling addiction. He talks about a suicide attempt. And uh, Jackie Martling, Bow to Stern. Jackie the Joke Man. um, Yeah. Yeah. Talking about what I didn't know about this. I just heard him recently on Gilbert's show. He used to tour. He used to open for Rodney Dangerfield back in the early oh, days. Wow! <laughs> and so he, they would travel around the country and meet people and do things. And like he knew he was a friar. He used to hang out with Milton Berle. He tells a story about walk, talking to Milton in his dressing room and Milton wearing a robe that he didn't feel compelled to close. Yeah. And he goes, and all I could do is look at this monster between his legs. <laughs> <laughs> And I love that kind of stuff. So, so those two, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna crack. Uh, lastly, do we have any? Rec- I got a few, but uh, records we want to talk about. Anything you've been listening to, Heather? Um, actually, tonight I am off to a buddy's uh, record release party. Um, band called Palooka has a new album out called Turbo Excelente, and it's just kind of straight ahead rock and roll. Nice. So. Nice. Yeah, and uh, they could. They, do they have a website or stuff that you? Can they do. It's paluka dot com, nice. and uh, yeah, a bunch of local guys, and That's this is their draft. first. Yeah, it's great. It's it's a, it should be a lot of fun. So. Wow, wow. You? I'm gearing up for a concert next Friday, um, so I've been going back and re uh, acquainting myself with the Voodoo Glow Skulls. Oh, okay. And, nice. uh, oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, let's see. I found a Captain Beyond record called Lost and Found, 1972 to 1973. <laughs> Tommy Bolin used to play with Captain Beyond, and they were at straight up prog rock. Um, Daniel Pemberton did the score for the USS Callister from Black Mirror, uh-huh. <laughs> and also he did the score for Molly's Game. Molly's Game is great. It's like it's music that you can put on, and you don't. It's not dependent on the film. Sure. Um, Rocky kind of. By thing. the way, I finally, finally started watching Black Mirror, mm-hmm. and I've only seen the infamous first episode. Yeah, uh, the pig fucker episode. Yeah, yeah, the pig yeah. fucker. Episode. That'll do it. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. That is yeah. like that is some badass filmmaking, and uh, so I'm excited. And 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 fan of the show I've talked to that you know they tell me it's like there really aren't any clunkers in there. Mm-hmm. Like they're all good. They're, and tonally, they're they're very different, but they're fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I find that show hard to watch because you see the train wreck that's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. every episode and it's like, oh, this is not gonna end well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean I guess I, I, I'm assuming, I don't know, I haven't read anything about the show, but I'm assuming that's that's what it's all about, right? It's holding mm-hmm. up it's holding up this dark mirror and say, Hey, here's what here's what we are, here's mm-hmm. what we've become. Mm-hmm. I love um his name is I'm spacing on like the guy who runs it. He, uh, Charlie Booker uh-huh. does also a news show, and he used to routinely have Stan Hope on talking about um, different things. CNN, and there's one on how abortion is green. Uh, that's very funny. Uh-huh. Uh, next up, YNT. 
Uh, it's called Acoustic Classics Volume 1. Y&T, I knew them back in the day as a band called Yesterday and Today. Yeah. And they had a drummer named Leonard Hayes that had a single kick drum, and he would do these... Yeah. sounded like doubles. Yeah. Um, guitar player was was really quick and cool, and then they changed their name to Y&T, had a couple of hits. I just remember all the gold on the, on the yeah. album covers. There's like a lot of gold. <laughs> It's all pretty silly. But this is like acoustic versions that... It's funny because the guitar player is, does not in any way... Like, you listen to This Right Feels Left, the Bon Jovi record, that's acoustic versions of, like, right. their music. Right. And they've adapted the arrangement. Like, It's My Life is very pretty in a, in a weird way. Right. This is just him doing everything he would do on electric guitar. Unplugged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, and... This stuff's. This is all. This next. These next are all really good. Number one, the Gems doing a record called Surfing Spokane. It's it's exactly what you think it is. It's wow. Pacific Northwest surf music. And wow. It's, it's great. Um, Alan Sherman live at the Hollywood Bowl. Wow, that would be cool. Alan Sherman, if you've ever heard Hello Mudda, Hello yeah. Fun, yeah. Um, or I just heard um, he. There's a song that he does called Harvey and Sheila, and I'm a terrible singer, but it, it's it's essentially Haba Nagila. He's like Harvey oh, and what? Sheila, and everything, <laughs> everything is about how he has it's anagrams. He he got his PhD at MIT, and he's hilarious, very funny. Supposedly, awesome. I was reading a bio on him, a real jerk, mm. oh, a real jerk. Well, I think sometimes that biting humor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally, um, I really picked this up purely for the record's name. The band is called, I think, Secret Agent, um, but the album is called Secret Stola Pinata Party. Nice. nice. And it's this weird combination of almost, it's not quite mariachi music, and it's, not, <laughs> it's mostly surf music, uh-huh. but it's very cool. And the cover is very kind of like Dan Brereton. Very sort of moody and very, very, very cool. And stuff. So, Sir Frachi. Sir Frachi. Nice. What are you up to now? What are you What are you doing, Heather? Like, are you are you you're are you still with you're still with the coral? Well, yeah. So, you know, this is kind of what I do to keep my. I, I call myself a recovering musician. Um, so I sing enough to not feel deprived. Um, but yeah, I sing in the, in the Seattle Symphony Chorale. I'm an alto, and uh, yeah. getting to do. So we're working on Carmina Burana right now, which oh, is a, which nice. is just a hoot to be on the stage in the middle of that and singing. But yeah, other than that, in my life, I got a uh, kid fixing to go off to college and looking forward to having a house. Wow, nice. Are you afraid of an empty nest? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember my daughter when she said she had, she had said that she was moving out. The next day, while she was sleeping, she woke up to me in her room with a tape measure. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) We're making plans. I remember. I remember. I think it was a country song, and I just remember something along the lines: "When that kid leaves home, we're gonna make love in the kitchen." (laughs) Uh, And and you know, hopefully, you know, that's what happened. Agreed. I, I want to say, um, K, 
keep your ears out for uh, uh, an album called um, King Snake. I think it's called King Snake, and it's the newest uh, Rick Springfield record. Really? And, and it is a blues in this like Bible okay. belt. Uh, uh, it's blasphemous, but it's like wow. it's lucky, like I really, cool. it, like, I'm actually excited about this. Here's it, the it, thing: it, it sounds really good, and 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 he rhymes like I remember this this one line where he rhymes God with Nimrod, and I'm just like, yes, yeah, there you <laughs> go. Here's the thing about that one: there was just an article out today or yesterday about he him battling depression. Yeah. But if you go back to uh, Working Class Dog, there's right. a song called Red Hot and Blue Love, and it's a straight up, it's almost like 40s kind of sounding, hmm. but he's got Robin Ford, who was a great blue player, right. used to play ah. Miles for a while, and it's great. Supposedly, it's great. I'm into this. Supposedly, like, that's been kind of this, like, back backroom love of his forever, but you know, it's Rick Springfield, so he can't do a blues album, well, yeah. now he's... Old Rick Springfield, so I can do yeah, whatever the fuck, fuck I want. Right. Yeah, right. and uh, if Steven sounds... Seagal can do one, I can. Do one. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds amazing. Hell, if Steven Seagal can do one, I can do one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's rad. I'm I'm kind. I'm gonna as soon as we're done, I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, yeah. That I think there's great. one song out right now called Little Demon. Nice. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. And he's not a terrible guitar player. No. He's not a great guitar oh. player, but he's not a terrible one. Yeah. And at least he surrounds himself with people like Robin Ford. Yeah, yeah. And, well, hey, Heather, thank you. This is every bit as fun as I thought it was going yeah, to be. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. I mean, what a treat to be able to hang out and chat with you guys like this. Well, aw. <laughs> <laughs> you, clearly, you should raise your... <laughs> uh, are, are, you doing, are you doing Crypticon this year? Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Yeah, I just got a survey from Crypticon. Just got my survey today. Filled it out. and um, I'm still mulling over some things. Are you? Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't include any. They asked for panel things, and and um, I I realized that any suggestion that I have with panel would be would be incumbent upon me me or me or you or me and you being there. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. it's like like I want to do a martial arts panel again on on that in in but, um because there there's a couple of guests that I think would be really great, um, mm. which we aren't can't talk about. But right. but the idea that. That would be incumbent that you or I would be there. So yeah. I'm going to get off my... Yeah, I don't know why I'm talking about cool. this right now. It's, it's, it, it, it's going to be a good cryptic. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be, be great. Really cool. yeah. uh, all right. Well, again, thank you so much. We we You're one of those people that give us just great input. You talk to us. Yeah. It's See, one thing to... Talking say, to us. It's yeah. Like, yeah it's, well, <laughs> it's one thing to look at numbers and you go, cool, like however many thousand people, you know... And no one says it like I like, yeah. Like it, 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 it means so much more when people go. Hey, well, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, next week, uh, I don't want to jinx it, but we got some. We got something really cool. We got something really cool coming. Super next cool. Week. Someone yeah. that I've wanted to get on here for a really long time. Yeah. Um. All right. Thanks again. Uh, we'll see you next week for the bonus material podcast. I'm Tom Cornell. I'm Langley West. Stay scary. <laughs>